folks. My name is Bobby Shields. We'd like to welcome you to Irving Claw's Musical Variety Show. And ladies and gentlemen, here she is now. Let's get together and meet that very delightful, that sultry siren of the Southland, very lovely Betty Page. People have said it was my smile, that I looked very happy, that I enjoyed my work, and I did, especially when I was playing in the water on the beach in Florida. I sometimes imagined the camera was uh, my boyfriend, and I would be playing to him in some of the poses and smiling at him. I sometimes had that in my mind. I wouldn't want to see a model when she's old and out of shape. Who would? There's nothing to look at. You want to look at them when they're young and beautiful, with beautiful bodies. I didn't look bad in the 50s, and I was in the best of health and had my figure and everything. I've only started falling apart the last couple of years. <laughs> I hate old age. <laughs> minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of December in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker, this my friends, the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Thank you for joining us today. It is uh, Friday and welcome to day 12. It's the end of the best week ever. It is actually day 12 today. Is it really? It's the 12th of December. Urgh, look at that. Uh, and this is all true. It is 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 
970-503-733-2970. Want to uh, get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, uh, musings about how Betty Page turned you to a life of sin and perversion. Whatever it is you'd like to weigh in on today, you got it. It's 503-733-2970. Richie, I am looking at the screen. Yes, that works. We can totally do that. We could actually do it earlier if she wants to do it earlier, Richie. We could do that at like 11.45 if that works for her. Talking about Dorothy Cartesari for the National Enquirer. Yeah. So let me know. Yeah, we can do that. We can do it at like 1-ish. We can also do it at 11.45-ish and so forth. All right. It's 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us today, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. And, of course, as you know, uh, throughout the rest of the year, we are filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley with a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals. Uh, coming next week, well, I don't have the whole list in front of me. I'll wait till it, I'll go upstairs during a break, and I'll get the whole list. Uh, we got four different people already confirmed for next week. I guess... I was going to say, like, good news, bad news. There really is no good news. It is just bad news and slightly less bad news. I mean, I guess the slightly less bad news is we've already... I mean, we got a long list of people uh, who are going to come in and be filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. It, the bad news is because we get a long list of laid-off people. So, bam! There you go. Merry Christmas, George. Jesus. All right, well, in any event, uh, so coming up later on today... Because we didn't really get to everything yesterday. Uh, coming up today, we will close out the week uh, carrying over Don Taylor from, from yesterday. So we had uh, Byron Beck on Tuesday. We had Tom Parker uh, of KPAM. Uh, you know, he's also on uh, Kissin. He was at KGW uh, way back when. So we're, it, he was at Wednesday. Yesterday, we had Don Taylor. And Don's actually going to come back and finish out the week with us today. Don Taylor laid off from the Portland Tribune. And next week, whole passel of people. I think next week, we got, I think we have two radio people and a newspaper person. And quite possibly somebody else. So it's, it's all very, it's all very great and awful. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seven. If you'd like to get on board today, Richie Bristol is walking around. Richie Bristol showed up at the back door today, and he left his. He didn't have his key with him today. So I'm walking down the hallway, and I hear this knocking at the back door, and I look, and there's Richie's face peering in the kind of porthole window thing. And I walk down, and I open the door. And A, he didn't have his key, and B, he couldn't have opened the door regardless because he had like two boxes of crap with him, one of which was all like. At a certain point, Richie just looks like Leatherface. You know, he's got a whole series of wigs and masks and whatnot that he's walking Did around you with. Did new heels today, too? No, no. I was busy. I was distracted by the fact that when I opened the back door, he had all this, these boxes of crap for his drag show. And then immediately, without, like, he just, I just heard this, and I look, and he's holding an Orelcro razor in his hand. And he goes, hey, can you maybe shave my armpits later? And I didn't even answer. You know, I just said, get inside. It's cold. <laughs> Like, it was so cold, and I was standing there in the doorway, and he's going, and he shaved my armpits, and I... Oh, my Lord. Seriously. You I, have to do it, right? I didn't even know. See, I don't. That's the thing. That's what you don't really me grasp, is I don't Well, Aaron to. will be here later. Maybe we can have Aaron shave Richie's armpits. Yeah. You want to plug your website, fanboy? Shave some armpits. <laughs> Jesus. So I didn't even respond. He's like, you shave my armpits, and I just said, get inside. He just walked around in here grunting and complaining about his new shoes he just bought at Ross. <laughs> well, dude. Well, whatever. All right, never mind, never mind. 
Anyway, uh, so yeah, Don Taylor's going to come in today. We'll do uh, we'll do the new news hour later on with Don Taylor. What else? Aaron Duran will be here from geekinthecity.com slash Film Fever Radio. Our good friends in Nickel Arcade are going to be in the studio performing uh, some tunes for you later on today. So a couple songs live uh, by Nickel Arcade. We've got a show coming up this Sunday uh, with some other bands, including My New Vice, uh, which is a benefit for something good that I can't really explain right now. I don't even remember what it is. It's, I remember reading it and thinking, that's a good cause, and then kind of forgetting all about it. It's for something children, something, something children. So... In any event, they, you know, they have all of it. I told them to bring bullet points, that I can't remember this, what this is all about. Just come in and you can say it. So, Nickel Arcade will be in later on today. Uh, let's see, we got, I can, by my count, we got three different top fives we haven't gotten to in the last couple of weeks because of, you know, various things. What better time than now? <laughs> Seriously. So, we, we might get to uh, one of the top fives today. Glorious Bastard of the Week. We've got a Geek Watch today, Penis Watch coming up today, Britney Watch coming up today. Uh, uh, let's see. Lisa Desjardins is good. That, that, that auto uh, bailout just went down a big, just 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 a burned out husk of a uh, of a bailout. Last night I was around. I don't know, maybe nine o'clock, something like that. Anderson Cooper got. The, I was I was watching when they got the official word that it, uh, it, the Senate had in so many words said to go f yourself. So um, so we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins about that. We got Cena radio correspondent Jim Roop who I think may or may not be talking a bit about, about the death of uh, Betty Page, probably the world's first supermodel, at least America's first supermodel, who died in a Los Angeles hospital uh, last night uh, at the age of 85. And not to get all just too into the Betty Page thing right now, but I, it's weird because, you know, we, we do that thing on the show so many, uh, so many times where we talk about, you know, is so-and-so still alive? Like we were talking about Sandy Duncan the other day. And then Doc Severance in the week before that about Doc Severance, alive or dead? And sometimes you think you know, sometimes you know, sometimes you're bluffing, sometimes you have an educated guess. But like with Betty Page, I mean, I guess we all kind of intellectually knew that she hadn't died yet because we hadn't read about it. So we knew that she was still alive somewhere. But it's weird because Betty Page really only does seem to exist. She's like that. Um, she's like the restaurant at the end of the universe in the book of the same name, where it's this universe that literally exists out on the edge of the universe and is held inside this weird force field bubble. And that's the only thing that just sort of keeps it uh, from falling into nothingness on the edge of space. And I know that's like a weird inside reference, but the point is that Betty Page sort of exists in this in this strange sort of isolated pocket of time where I guess you kind of know that Betty Page was born somewhere, you know, in like 1920-whatever, and you kind of know that Betty Page died yesterday in a hospital at 85, but that's just sort of on the fuzzy periphery. Really, when you think of Betty Page, you only look through this one very tiny window of time between about 1950 and I think maybe 1955, 56, whenever it was, then she stopped modeling, and then she just sort of vanished forever. You know, and really, every 98.999% of all the stuff you know about Betty Page is based on really a relative, a relative handful of years where she was doing stuff. Anyway, just... You know what it is? It's just a big biblical punch in the junk. What, what better way to... As Joni DeRoshi said last night, Joni, by the way, who put up one of the most beautiful photos ever taken of Betty Page uh, on my um, space page. So, um, anyway, that's if you go to my uh, to myspace.com slash Rick Emerson, you see Joni's post she put up. Maybe not the definitive Betty Page picture, but really one of them. Because a lot of people, you know, it's so easy to think about her with like a whip or a flogger or nude or whatever. And, you know, there's certainly a place for that. But she did some really, truly... I mean, mainstream beautiful shots. In other words, you know, a lot of the stuff that she did was beautiful regardless. I mean, even if you're not into kind of the weird fetish aspect of it, or she did all those, like, jungle girl shots or whatever, and those are beautiful in their own way. 
But she's done some photos that, I mean, even in terms of mainstream modeling and photography, are just flat-out gorgeous. And uh, Joni posted one, and there's one at rickemerson.com that I posted, and it's one of my very, very favorite pictures of her. And it's safe for work. It's Betty Page wearing, you know, she's sort of scantily attired, but, I mean, she is clothed, and she has these great, like, heels on. And I know I sound really gay at this, at this moment, but you're just going to be okay with that. And she is reclining on the floor reading a book. Have you seen that picture? I don't think so. Go to, uh, if you would, go to rickemerson.com and check out the photo of Betty Page that I put up there. It's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. And the one Joni put up is really great as well. Okay, I was just um, looking at the one that Joni put up. Isn't that a great picture? Oh, yeah. It's just gorgeous. Oh, that is, yeah, she looks beautiful. How great is that picture? Uh, so if you go to rickemerson.com, you see this picture of Betty Page laying on the floor reading a book, and she's wearing, I don't know, whatever, you know, the stockings and heels. I know Joni must just be bummed because she, um, you know, working for Baby Girl Boutique with her and knowing her photo style, like, I know that you, she incorporates, like, many of Betty Page's poses totally. and looks and everything. I mean, that's, like, a, a big thing that she does. And, I mean, it's... See now I'm just now I'm just sort of gushing about it. So, but you know what? She's dead. What are you gonna do? You gotta you gotta talk about it. And we'll get calls here in a second. I see some folks on hold. Uh, we'll get to your calls. The the thing about and Joni can speak about this way more eloquently th than I can. I mean, there's uh, in the Betty Page and that whole kind of you know th th that influence is something that I can speak about maybe more than the average person, but certainly not to the extent that somebody who's very into visual sense and style and fashion can. Um, but as Joni said, it was this complete lack of style almost because it was just Betty Page like in a living room. I mean, it was this weird, it was like those Calvin Klein ads that came out a few years ago. I think it was Calvin Klein, where it was like teenagers in some weird, bad, tacky, white trash, wood paneled basement. And they were just sort of so tacky and without any sense of, of taste or style that it kind of became tasteful and stylish in some weird slingshot around the sun kind of a way. And that's what those Betty Page photographs are like. It's just... It is like this really gorgeous woman in this very stylized, this stylized set of clothing, but then like just sitting on a couch, like in some suburban front room. So anyway, but then it became a style unto itself over the years. So anyway, so just to sort of wrap things up here, uh, this is the worst week ever. So she said, John Lennon still dead, Tim Riley not here, Betty Page dead. So God bless us, everyone. All right, here's what's coming up today. Uh, Lisa Desjardins, Jim Roop, Top 5, Don Taylor, Nicole Arcade, Aaron Duran, Geek Watch, Penis Watch, uh, Joy of Christmas we will get to today. Uh, let's see, what else? Well, and some other crap. And then Richie's going to come in and demand that somebody shave hair off a delicate part of his body. We're all going to cringe, and then tomorrow it'll be better when we go to North Bank to see Richie Bristol as Rochelle Crystal uh, and the Lips Cabaret in his drag review tomorrow night. That is December 13th. A few tickets left, and you got to get them fast because, um, A, it's like the best thing ever. B, it's awful. C, it's great. And D, all of the above. And then also uh, Tim Riley, uh, late of the Rick Emerson Show and beloved by everybody, will be emceeing and introducing Rochelle Crystal tomorrow night at North Bank. So you got to go to Taboo Adult Video, get your tickets for that. Locations, you can find out more, TabooVideo.com. Uh, we'll get calls in like 10 seconds. Uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you today? Hello, good. It's a crazy day. It really is. And, and so, it's, a cra it's crazy in this building especially, too. I should say, and so I apologize in advance if I seem ever so slightly... Amped up. Well, it's Rockfest today, so there are about 1,700 people 
in the building, like, running around. And, you know, like, so many cars in the back lot, you can't... I, I spent half of my morning reparking my car as I people were trying to get out. I am so glad that I, I got the last parking space this morning. I get the last one because it is... Yeah, it's Rockathon, which we'll talk more about later. Uh, we'll have uh, somebody from KUFO to uh, push that a bit later on. It's They do an all-day fundraiser on the air for the Trillium Center, the Perry Center for Children. And they basically, you can pay KUFO to do anything, to play anything, to do anything. I mean, you can sort of buy a couple minutes of the station for however many dollars and, you know, kind of have them do whatever you want. But as a result, as Sarah just said, everybody and their mother is here. I mean, there's like 50 people down here. And which is, you know, normally, you know, there's just the folks who are on the air and then it's pretty deserted the rest of the time because, mm-hmm. it's, you know, down here, it's everything's behind double sealed electronic doors so the sales folks can't come bother us. But today, there's, I mean, it's just people everywhere you go. Also, it's the end of, you know, I think a, kind of a kind of a, a pretty weird week for everybody. And so... I, I'm, and I should say, first and foremost, with all honesty, I'm in a great mood today, you know, relatively speaking. But but I do feel I do feel just a little bit uh, manic and frayed at the edges this morning. So do I, honestly. It's because the chaos, it's it's palpable. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, and again, it's not even really a bad vibe in the building today, relatively speaking. It's just busy and crazy, and everybody is already just running around. They're all running around like lunatics, trying to get their rockathon taken care of. We're going to have Don Taylor in. we got a band coming in later on today. It's going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be one of those days where everybody has to uh, have to just accept the fact that things are a little uh, squiggle vision. Yeah. Well, can I start today by saying how much I love Sarah Wagner? Yes. I think she's one of the greatest people ever. I wouldn't hung out with her last night for a bit at her house. Oh, she told me that, actually. She stopped by my office today and was telling me that. So. Yeah, and we had, like, we were, like, little old ladies. I swear, she has, like, these two, um, like, squishy chairs out on her front porch. And we're sitting out there, like, in blankets with, like, glasses of wine. It's like, oh, my God, he might feel like we're, like, about 70 yeah. and sitting on some porch in the south. No. It's, uh, Except for it was, you know, 30 degrees outside. It, I mean, it's, it, it really is uh, It really is actually quite something. We work with, and I don't mean to sound corny about this, we really do work with some, some great people. We, we really Oh, do. are you we, kidding me? I have found some of my greatest friends just from working at CBS. Yeah. It's, it's been really lucky. I mean, and I've worked at a lot of radio stations like everybody has, but it's, uh, the group of people here at CBS... Um, is uh, especially on weeks like this where everything is just sort of everything is just a little bit like that first nine minutes of Saving Private Ryan and uh, you know but it's but everybody kind of came through it everybody kind of came through it with flying colors and as best as could possibly be expected and we have to we, work with what we have we really are more with less Sarah yeah. we really are pretty lucky though to, uh, to to work with the folks we do anyway so thus ends the corny uh, opening so that was your last night you uh, you and Sarah Yes, Sarah Wagner and I hung out. And then, and... Yeah, and then met up with some friends and yeah, not too crazy of a night, but yeah, the highlight was definitely hanging out with Sarah at her house. Uh, I was just kind of sitting. So you know, yesterday when we were talking, I was still kind of like down in the dumps. I'm like, uh, kind of not snapping out of it. And she's like, "Come over here, and we're gonna have some food and have a couple glasses of wine." Good for you. She's like, "Stop sitting at home." I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah. I, by the way, uh, because I love Christmas and I don't care who knows it, I'm not one. Christmas is one of those holidays. Just I'll say by way as a preamble, Christmas is one of those holidays that some people. I mean, a lot of people are indifferent to certain holidays. Like, you know, well, it's Flag Day. Don't care. Uh, you know, it's Arbor Day. Eh, Arbor Day, I can take or leave. People who are not into Christmas for some reason feel like they have to really, they have to let you know really aggressively and actively how much they don't like Christmas. And I've never really understood that. Like Christmas, don't like Christmas, whatever. But people who don't like Christmas, they always have to interrupt the conversation or make a point of telling you in like long, irritating detail how much they don't care for Christmas and how much they actively dislike it. I'll tell you right now, I am not that guy. I love Christmas. I wrap my arms around it and I hug it tightly to my bosom. So last night, uh, so we got the tree on, whatever, Tuesday, 
tree was sitting there, kind of drying off in the living room. Last night, I put on my Jolly Christmas from Frank Sinatra uh, Christmas record, uh, and Lara and I uh, decorated the tree, and it was fantastic. And yes, you know what? We made ourselves big steaming mugs of hot chocolate while we did it. Oh. Everybody just suck on that. Uh, which was just, it was just great. And I have to say, not to go on and on about this, it's the fan. It's the best tree I've ever had. This year's tree is you just exceptional. You have to take a picture of it. You uh, no, no, no. This, right? I did take a picture of it. I forgot to bring it in. Here's what makes the uh, picture fantastic and lame. I got a picture of our Christmas tree the instant it was done being decorated. Lights. Uh, I got the like the uh, the round sort of like this. The, you know the ball ornament things. I got the uh, you know the uh, that icicle tinsel that goes on it. Uh, we've got some handmade ornaments that, that you know we have. All we have we we lack the thing that goes on top. What is it, like the angel or the star, whatever the thing is supposed to go on the top of the tree? Mm -hmm. That's all we're missing at the moment. But I have to say, the tree is decorated flawlessly. Because I am that guy that I will sit there and I'll back up, you know, and I'm just like Cecil no, B. DeMille. No, you're attentive about something? Shut up. But I'll sit there and it's like I'm sizing up a shot for the sequel to Chinatown. And I'm like trying to see if the lights are all spread out evenly. And if we've got these two kinds of ornaments. One is silver, one is white. You know, the sort of ball kind, the, the glass balls. And I'll, I'll say to myself, no, no, no. I don't know. There's the two white ones right next to each other. Maybe there should be a silver one between. Well, but if that's the case, it's going to. What about that carved wooden sled? It's going to be right in the middle. Maybe if I move the carved wooden sled over by that little uh, miniature candy cane. Okay, wait. I'll move the candy cane to the top. I'll move the sled down to the bottom. I'm going to move this shrinky-dink Santa over there to the left. And I'm going to put the silver ball in the middle. And then I'm going to flank it with these two red bells that I've got. Then I'll put some extra tinsel there. Okay, there's no light there. What if I put more tinsel? It'll reflect the light, and then it'll look like there's a light right there on that branch. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Okay, and then I'll do it, and then I'll step back, and I'll analyze the whole thing again. So the Christmas tree decoration, done, finished, and then, yes, I posed both of my dogs in I front of the it. tree. I knew this was going to end with the dog. <laughs> I posed Max and Philo in front of the tree, but here's the great and lame thing about it. Philo got <coughs> neutered <coughs> yesterday. Um, and I'm not going to make dumb neuter jokes, but I will say he's got the lampshade on his head. You know that thing? The co Those the are hilarious and sad. <laughs> it, it, it looks like, it, I, mean, I don't know what they call it in real life, a, a collar or something. But he's got that, you know, the lampshade so he can't, like, go, like, chewing on the on the injury or whatever, you know. So you pull the stitches out. You know, like, whenever they animals hurt themselves, you have to do it because they don't know any better. And so they'll, they'll kind of lick the injury and then it, it all goes bad. So, um, anyway, so he's got the lampshade on his head. So, and I'm not going to bother to, like... Well, I was like, well, we could take the lampshade off for this one photo. And like, baby, this is this is life. You got to document life as it happens. You can't lie. So there is this great, totally gay photograph of my two dogs sitting in front of the tree. Max looking, you know, like he always does, like Falcor, and Philo, big lampshade on his head, looking really, really stoned because he'd only been home from the vet for like an hour and he was completely high on pain medication. So I'm gonna put it on my um, a space page over the weekend. Everybody doesn't like that. You can eat one because it's it's fantastic. So, all right, let's get these calls. We'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey, how's it going, Rick? What's up? How are you guys doing? Hey. Um, I just kind of wanted to backtrack just real quick. Uh, yesterday's topic about the teacher thing. Yes, sir. Uh, this is hot teachers and uh and the sex and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not so much about that, but um, <clears throat> my second grade teacher was named Mrs. Payne. My third grade teacher was named Mrs. Harms. My sixth grade teacher was named Mrs. Die. Pain Harm Die. And my orthodontist, get this, my orthodontist was named Dr. Fear. 
<laughs> Are you making this up, sir? No, nope, nope, I am not. All right. Uh, right now, here's what you need to do. You need to be getting in touch with Tim Burton, and you need to make a series of small plastic collectible toys. Uh, Mrs. Payne, Mrs. Harm, Mrs. Die, and Dr. Fear. Yep, exactly. Right. And the one other thing that I had. Um, yes, sir. Uh, the shield. Yes. Okay, so that last shot in the shield where... Vic Mackey pulled out his gun. Out Gets of the, the gun out of the lockbox, tucks it in his waistband, and goes out. Yes. Where Where was he going? Well, think? there's been a lot of speculation about that. I don't think anybody necessarily knows. Some people are like, is he going to go bust Ronnie out of jail? Is he going to go demand that the feds give him his family's contact information? I don't really know. My personal theory is that that he uh, tucks the gun into his waistband because he's been so totally emasculated by this horrible day job and this deal that he struck, and now he has to work in a cubicle that. That the gun is Vic Mackey's whole, his whole sense of self-identity, his whole personality is based in being a cop and the gun. And so even though everything has been taken from him, he's tucking that gun in because it's the only thing he can do to try to sort of feel like the Vic Mackey he has always been. So oh. it's a little bit of a, you know, so it's, like a, it's like a security blanket, but it's a gun. My oh. own theory. Very good interpretation right. of it. Thank I, you, sir. I knew, you'd, I knew you'd, you'd be able to explain it to me better than you. All right. Thank you for listening, my friend. All right. Thank you. All right. One more, then we break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. I'm sitting here catching my breath because I've been gone for a few days. Yes, and like a punch in the balls, I learned of Tim O'Reilly's demise. And I'm like... You gotta be kidding me! Yes. Well, uh, if only we were. Uh, the I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, didn't mean to laugh. No, but when you described it, just like me, I think I said that earlier on. It was one big this whole week, one big elongated punch in the junk. So it's yeah. great that everybody kind of latches onto that same description. Um, I, re I remember the first time I heard him on the air. I thought, what an unorthodox style of news, and I just grew to just really appreciate it. Now it's just like you've lost an arm. No, no, trust me. I and if I and I will say this: if if I don't if I don't sound just uh, the quite as, if I don't sound quite as down or bleak or or filled with doom as you might expect, it's because I don't know because we we had if you go back and listen to the podcast and you know, we had a long farewell with Tim on Monday CBS no one wanted this to happen and so they took the almost unprecedented step of giving uh, you know Tim the whole day Monday to say goodbye and we've been kind of working through it for the past few days and we're you know it sucks it sucks. It's, it sucks, you know, beyond beyond the ability of words to describe it. Obviously, so you know, we're we're kind of playing through each day as best we can, my friend. Yeah, I feel like you know I'm the last one in the, in the city to know, but uh, you know, geez, it's just uh, yeah, I feel for it you is, guys. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, it, it's not a good week for you know for nouns for people and other living things. So, yeah. all right, my friend. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for the call, sir. Thanks. All right, we got to take a break. Back after this, Lisa Desjardins. Uh, later on, Dorothy Carcassera for the National Enquirer, uh, Nickel Arcade, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Just a moment, we'll be joined by CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, I just wanted to uh, let you know I finally tried Viso because yes, of you. Oh, awesome, awesome. I'm no longer a uh, Viso virgin. Uh, what flavor did you try, sir? You know what? I've tried uh, the diet energy one. The, what was it? Uh, Eddie Will? Is it Will? Grapefruit and something. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, if it's, if it's a Will, yeah, that is a grapefruit and um, cranberry. Yes. That's yeah. it. it was awesome. And also, I was sick Monday, so fill me in. Did he quit? Did he get fired? What What happened with 
Uh, Tim. Uh, there's a uh, there's a third term. Yeah, I'll give you the I'll give you the, the the short version, and then when you get a chance, you go to rickemerson.com. There's a, there's a blog from a couple days ago. I think it's like the second or third one down that explains everything. But um, so for those who did not hear it, uh, Tim was Tim was laid off uh, by CBS, and I want to note that it was as as good as much as anything like that can ever be smooth or however you want to put it uh it no one at CBS wanted that to happen it was not the decision of anybody in portland it was it was just it, it, uh, i don't know it's, i'm sorry I, I have to stop for a second because i had this i had this all down to like a i had this all down to a science i think on monday and tuesday and so now i'm sort of having to go back and you know and figure out how to phrase everything uh, again because we were sort of really really trying to keep it together as best we could monday or tuesday but the the, the reality is that just uh, there's it's a bad it's a bad economy and it's a bad year and it's a bad year for media and it's a bad year for cbs and we have been very lucky this year in that we have avoided any sort of cutback we have avoided here at this station any kind of layoff and at a, we got to a certain point where we just we just didn't dodge the final bullet, and um, and it it sucks, and no one wanted it to happen. Certainly, CBS didn't want it to happen, and uh, you can tell because they gave Tim the the really the unprecedented opportunity to come on Monday and do a farewell and a goodbye, and so that is where things are for now. Uh, we're not really sure what the future holds. Anything is possible, so stay tuned for details. But um, yeah, there was just. Uh, Layoff, and we should note, by the way, and then we'll, then we got to wrap this up and talk to Lisa Desjardins. But uh, just say that for what it's worth, um, our our pain is no worse than anybody else's because there were other layoffs at CBS as well, and unfortunately, uh, one of those folks was Tim. So wow, all right. Well, it's like a death in the family, but on the bright side, I did try Viso thanks to you guys, and it was it was quite tasty. Well, it is yin and yang, sir. All right, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Oh, hey, hey. I'm so... doing good. Man, I didn't mean to bungle that answer so, so spectacularly. I just sort of, uh, uh, I don't know. No, no, no. That, that's, that's legit. I do sort of realize that, um, I do realize that as time goes on, the we're going to continue to get you know, a stream or a trickle or whatever of people who who are just hearing or just reading or just finding out about it, but they're going to be further and further between probably, uh, you know, which means, well, I'm making it sound as though, it's, you know, I'm really, it's really, I'm the worst off because I'm the one who has to take 30 seconds to talk about it. But I just, uh, you know, trying to, uh, I don't know, trying to be, uh, trying to be concise uh, about it without, you know, whatever. Anyway, Jesus. All right. Well, that being said, how's your day, Lisa? Hey, um, uh, how is my day? It's a good, you know, I was, I was here, I was uh, up with the Senate until uh, almost four in the morning. I, I went to bed around four, and uh, then I, I came back in. So, I'm, you know, I've got that kind of haze, that sort of, you know, I stayed up way too late, and now, I, now I'm at work, but I stayed up late for work, so it's a little bit surreal. We did have um, uh, the Capitol Visitor Center in, in a very kind of NORAD, uh, war games kind of way, I uh, had to evacuate, and the big steel doors came down because some um, welders apparently set off a fire. So that was exciting. So the steel doors slammed down at NORAD or at some NORAD-type facility? Well, I'm so it, I'm so unclear about what you just described. I have no idea what <laughs> no, you're there actually... There was a lot happening in that answer. Um, no, you know, in war games, 
when they ju- they just make it in. Oh, yeah, no. So this is not the actual NORAD. This is the... No, no, no. This, it, 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 was, it was a metaphor. Yes, okay, a, excellent. A, 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 a flourish. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, no, the cap- it was the Capital Visitor Center. Now, is this the, is this the Capital Visitor Center they just opened that cost $300 million? $600 million, and it opened last week. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, That's right. and this is the one that, by the way, I saw somebody, this was like some senator, somebody already slamming it as, quote, it's a godless visitor center. I wish I could find the guy's name, but I read some quote the other day. Some senator was like, "This visitor center is godless." When I don't even really, yeah, I don't even really know what that means. So, well, um. it was Jim DeMint from South Carolina, is because they, they, it didn't have any mention of the word God apparently mm-hmm. in it, and also the, it said that the national motto is "E pluribus unum," when the national motto is actually "In God We Trust," and and that wasn't that was, they had. You know, etched that somewhere on the wall, and they, they have since changed it. You'll be happy to know. Um, so, well, you know, this is sort of we can dovetail one thing into the other here. So, right. uh, we just, right. you know, we just took that was actually the second call today. People saying, "Hey, I just got back in the town, or I was, ju- I'm just now able to listen." <coughs> Pardon me, what happened to Tim? And you know, and then he, again, he, 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 I'm just not to sound as though anything's being minimized, but you try to find a good two or three sentence response that sort of lays out that, like, look, things suck, things are bad all over, and. And we'll, we'll talk about the, the car industry here in just a second, because the, the one thing that I think Sarah and I are both really conscious of, and I know Tim was too on Monday, that when people ask about that, on the one hand, you know, you want to say, yeah, it sucks. It's awful. Uh, you know, everybody, including including everybody, I think at every level of CBS, is unhappy about uh, about it, about, about, about Tim being laid off. And about everybody at CBS who got laid off. You know, I have uh, our good friend uh, Cheryl from upstairs uh, who helped me out with any number of things. Got laid off as well and, and, and lots of other people. So so you, you want to say, yeah, it sucks. It's awful. It's terrible. At the same time, you also want to acknowledge, uh, you know what, we're, we're, we're one school of fish in a big, rapidly drying pond that is the American economy right now. And there's a lot of people. We got the, every single day, we get emails or calls from people in different industries who are just taking it in the shorts or they've been kicked out the door right before Christmas. It's just, it is bad. And as our president-elect says, probably getting worse. So, which brings us to last night when I turned on Anderson Cooper, who had taken a break from saying David effing Mammoth and smoking glue to talk about the auto industry bailout, which I guess just got the huge boot right into the into the trash can from the Senate. Am I right? Yep, that's right. So why? Why? Yeah, that's that's the easiest way to say it. It's really, last night was incredibly complicated, but in the end, it it died. That's what matters. But now why? What was the big, what was um, the sticking point, if there was one, or is it just, is it politics? Is it just that they didn't like the deal? Why did it fail? You know, I'm I'm working on this metaphor, so so uh, forgive me if, it, if it's really a mess, but essentially, if you imagine the car companies, as, you know, the kid who needs money to pay off the bookie, and essentially the kid is asking, you know, both parents and, like, a grandfather, like, all, you know what, I'm going to abandon this. It's already not working. But essentially, essentially the um, Republicans, Democrats, um, and car companies were all here at the Capitol last night, and the Republicans were trying to work a deal that came very close uh, that essentially all of the people who own the car company's debt we're going to write down that debt and cut that debt by two-thirds uh, by March so that the car companies would have a shot at cleaning up their books. But in addition to that, the, the debt companies and Republicans also wanted the car unions, the UAW, uh, to agree that they would cut their wages um, next year or possibly 2010 and that they would cut them so that American car wages 
would be about the same as, say, um, an American who works for Honda, right. a Honda right. plant would be. So the UAW said, well, we'll do that when our contract is up in 2011. We'll agree to it then, but we're, we're not going to do it next year. It's all, times are already tough. Republicans said, well, you know, th- th- you guys are crazy because what's going to happen is you're not going to have any jobs. You should agree to these wage cuts. And the UAW said, no, we, we think that uh, this is too far for us to go. And it, it came down to uh, a matter of time, whether those wage cuts, the UAW would allow them next year or 2011. But, you know, that's the detail. But the bigger question is, how do you keep the companies, how do you keep these auto companies alive? And Republicans and Democrats realize that you really do have to cut these costs. And this was kind of maybe the only opportunity to force everybody involved, the the agencies that own the car company debt and the unions, and to force them into a position that they had to agree to cuts that you know they probably won't agree to now. Mm. Um, so it's you know so now now it's now this the Senate it, it died in dramatic dramatic fashion, and then of course now the White House still has its own little chunk of change. From that seven hundred billion dollar well, so that, that Wall was, Street bailout bill. That yeah. was actually going to be my next question. So I'm watching, and again, I get now all my news just from you and Anderson Cooper. I have no other news outlets that, that I watch. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so Anderson Cooper last night they were talking about this, and they were saying that the, now the White House is saying, well, you know, this uh, it, this auto bailout is really important. You got to vote for it because it's a matter of life or death. And if the auto bailout doesn't happen, then it's all disaster. But then on the other hand. They're saying, well, it's not such a big disaster because if it fails, we'll just give you some of that money out of the $700 billion. <laughs> Right. I mean, right. so I, I think this is why, not to just go from the minuscule to the overarching, this really is why Americans just look at the political system and leaders and uh, the political parties of every stripe and affiliation and just say, like, you know what, that, that, that really like the hell, the hell with the whole lot of you because, I mean, just nothing's getting nothing is getting what? done. Right, exactly. Everyone I mean, in the end, people are just scratching their head. I think the trick here is that, um, and the union probably realized this at some point last night. Well, why should we agree to this when we're going to take the risk that the White House will bail us out, and there might not be any requirements to the White House money? What we're hearing today, and you know, the White House all along has said, no, this money's for Wall Street. It is not for individual industries, not for the car companies. But now the White House is in a corner, and it looks like the White House will give um, car companies some billions, but we're hearing from them that maybe it'll be in tiny, like tiny spurts, so that maybe even weekly the car companies will have to go to the White House and say, "We need five more dollars, please." Well, uh, I mean, it's going to be yeah. Which, which you know, there's an argument for that. I'd be curious to know the the just the sort of the attitude or take of the American people in this whole situation. Because, as you said, I mean, I think it goes without saying that the management of these car companies really needs to be just given the pointy end of something uh, right away, and I would say repeatedly. Uh, And nobody likes to see workers, uh, you know, the the guys who are really down there making the company work on a day-to-day basis, nobody likes to see them, you know, just taken in the backside. That that also goes without saying. But that notwithstanding... I wonder if the average American just kind of looks at these car companies who are not willing to budge or blink or the unions who are not willing to accept any sort of a compromise. And, you know, you've got some guy who's sitting at home in Schenectady who's unemployed, doesn't know how he's going to pay the rent or pay to, you know, keep his house heated over the winter. And he's looking at these, uh, you know, these uh, car company unions who won't accept any amount of reduction. And the guy's just thinking, you know what, like, you know, you got a job. Maybe you could take a little bit of a hit so the economy doesn't completely crater. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, the problem is nobody really knows 
and perhaps the unions don't know themselves, if they're bluffing. No, nobody, everyone is kind of picking sides here, but the truth is that no one knows exactly how this economy is going to bounce. The unions are taking a risk here that these car companies will make it uh, without these drastic cuts, you know, and they're telling themselves that that's true. They're saying, yeah, the, and the truth is wages only account for maybe 10% of 10, 11% of what uh, the car companies' costs are. So it's it's not a huge amount of savings relative to the rest of their costs, but the unions are taking a risk if they make that argument. They right. believe it, but nobody else does. Well, there That's you go. The so, there you go. <laughs> so on, on that cheerful note, big plans for your weekend? Uh, I, I, you know, holiday festivities. Dick Giuliano and Bob Costantini and I are all having dinner together. Oh, that's you. adorable. You know, in my head, that's totally like an, an Algonquin round table uh, kind of a thing. With, <laughs> with, of course, you as Dorothy Parker. Uh, <laughs> oh, ooh, I like that. I'll take that. You're Dorothy Parker. Hey, Giuliano gets to be Robert Benchley. Uh, Bob Costantini Doodle. is, uh, yeah, I don't know who he would be. Better work on that. Yeah, I got nothing beyond that. Um, and Basil Rathbone comes to mind. And Basil Rathbone. And as you, uh, as, as we wrap this up real quickly, uh, it just, I have no, that we probably can't even talk about this because it's going to open a huge can of questions. And I know you probably got to skedaddle because you got, you know, other alleged radio stations that are allegedly important. Yeah, um, I'm good. Yeah. So this guy, this Blagojevich guy, this governor in Illinois, I don't. And I've said this yesterday, I don't think people really grasp, like, what an insane story this is. So, is the latest speculation that Obama's chief, incoming chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, is one of the advisors that Blagojevich was talking about in terms of, like, shaking him down for some money to toss the Senate seat to an ally? You know, I, I don't know. I have not seen that. I mean, there, there are a lot of people who wonder, you know, they're trying to put puzzle pieces together and say, well, Rahm Emanuel, Chicago politician... You know, Rod Blagojevich, Chicago politician. They've got, you know, Obama, this Obama situation. Um, a lot of people, I think, are just guessing that. But you may have seen more than I. I haven't heard any um, direct evidence that it was Rahm Emanuel other than people knowing the players and kind of imagining who might have been. Uh, yeah, I mean, I should say for the, for the record, I haven't, you know, obviously I don't have access to evidence other people don't see. But I, I think there was sort of speculation <laughs> about who who might it be, and I think a lot of people are, there's been some stuff, maybe rightly or wrongly, read into the fact that Rahm Emanuel has just been, I think, true to his, true to his persona and his, uh, you know, his reputation, has just been just a complete hard-ass about responding or answering anything, so, anyway. Yeah, oh, that's right, and that's, that's how he plays it, yeah, he's, yep. All right, okay. well, Stop he gives, him. as they once said, he gives no quarter and expects none in return. Oh, oh, nice. Okay. Uh, well, uh, have a uh, have a great dinner with uh, with Bob Constantini, Dick Giuliano. Give them our regret, uh, our uh, regards, if you would. <laughs> our regrets. Give them our regards, uh, if you would, and uh, and uh, happy holidays to y'all. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay, great. Thank you, Lisa Desjardins. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, first off, that's just crazy that the uh, United Auto Workers wouldn't take a pay cut for another three years, almost. Are you being sarcastic? It looks insane. You know, we're going to let the companies fold instead of taking a pay cut. I mean, you know, and again, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's a union, and I guess they can vote and do whatever they want to do. But and everybody knows that taking a pay cut uh, sucks. Nobody wants sure, yeah. um, nobody wants to take a pay cut. But on the other hand, if your options are, you know, look, pay cut, or I'm going to be on the bread line, uh, you know, and it's, and it's one thing if the economy is really strong and you feel like you can go out there and you walk into some other place and get a job right away, but 
I don't really know that those uh, I don't really know that those days are now. I think you get kicked out of your company right now. You're probably not going to get hired on right away, regardless of what industry you're in. So it's just I think there's a lot of unemployed people probably looking at the at the audio unions, wondering like why they got to have such a stick in their orifice about it. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, um, um, on another note, I was listening to John and Jeff right here on your fine radio station the other day. Thank you. They brought up an interesting point. So if Congress does bail out the auto companies, in order for that to work, Americans are going to have to go out and buy a lot of brand new cars. Right, right. And in this economy, is that really going to happen? Well, I mean, we could, on, on the one hand, people don't have a lot of, I mean, I'm no, look, I'm not an economist uh, or nothing, but uh, so on the one hand, you can say people don't have a lot of disposable income. On the other hand, let's you and I be honest. One of the reasons we got into this whole disastrous economy in the first place is because Americans buy all kinds of crap they don't have the money to buy. So not having the money has never stopped an American uh, from going and buying a brand new television or whatever. But it, also, I mean, you can also, I mean, also, there is something to be said for the idea that they might be able to make cars that are, if not totally affordable, at least much more affordable. So we will, right. you know, as Steven Tyler once said, if you always do what you always done, you're always going to get what you always got. And if the auto industry <laughs> just continues to make crap that people can't afford or aren't interested in buying, you know, then they're, they're going to get, they're going to get the fuzzy end of the lollipop all over again. So. Absolutely. Hey, on a lighter note. Yes. Did you see, probably not, but did you see the big uh, spread on Viso in the Oregonian yesterday? I did. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, and I, I apologize to Alex, who is the, the owner founder. That's a picture of Alex, too. Hey, man, i got to tell picture you. picture right on the front of the business I, I could not be more proud of that guy. Uh, Alex, who is the founder, owner, the mastermind, the maven, uh, the overlord of Viso. If you pick up yesterday's Oregonian, you can also find it online. The front page of the business section, huge article about Visa, which is just, you know, I, I can tell you right now, that is a, uh, if I could buy stock in that company right now, I would. So, I mean, that is a, uh, I mean, he, get a job with them. I mean, really, he is, uh, he is, he's got good things happening over there. And we are very, very proud to be associated with those guys and that they are supporters of the show. So I'm glad you saw that, sir. More of everything good. Thank you, my friend. Thanks. All right, there you go. And that's already an hour. <laughs> what did we even do? I don't know. It's a good show. It's just uh, things are a mile a minute today. What'd you say? It's the biggest full moon of the whatever? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I actually, I printed that out for uh, the news. The biggest full moon since 19-something or 1993. All right. And the water in our bodies is doing something that... And is... the moon, yeah, it makes everybody a little kooky. Yes, it does. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Uh, hi, Rick. Two things. First off, have you caught the email I just sent uh, titled, uh, Tim Riley is everywhere? Um, no, but I. Uh, it, that's only because I haven't checked my email in the last few minutes. I've been do, was, was doing the thing with Lisa. I've learned that I can sometimes multitask, but on certain days, like maybe, oh, I don't know, today when everyone's crazy, I have to do one thing at a time, because otherwise Lisa will be talking to me about Rod Blagojevich, and I'll be reading something about free Viagra. Okay, you know, or whatever. So, I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, no, I did not. Okay. Well, anyway, I sent you something off. I think it was rather inspired. Um, on the other, the other point was, um, uh, I'm not a huge union supporter. Uh, uh, you know, I guess for or against. You know, but um, I'm, I'm just. I guess what I was thinking is, imagine that you've got a mortgage and a kid in college, and et cetera, et cetera, and then somebody's saying, you know, um, you've got to knock that down by fifty percent. You know right. what I mean? So I think that's kind of partly where the unions are coming from. Is just, you know. Uh, I mean, if anybody, or, you know, because we're all in a budget, everybody's counting every nickel. You know, they're making a hundred bucks an hour on overtime counting nickels, but it, you know, it's it's still kind of the same thing. You know, 
Oh, it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the idea that any the idea that the the auto workers, you know, would have or that anybody would have to take a pay cut to avoid total disaster of, you know, of epic proportions is it really is. I mean, it's nobody's idea of good. But and again, I don't. Who knows? I mean, and I, I would just be sitting here just bumping my gums, uh, you know, and just uttering a bunch of just crap. I don't really understand if I if I said, well, let me tell you what the impact on the economy will be because I don't know, but. But, yeah, it just seems like, you know, there's got to be a little bit of give uh, somewhere. And I could understand if maybe the union says, look, we'll take a pay cut, but it's going to be in, like, absolutely, like, blood oath writing that it's only for six months or eight months. Because I don't really know how this works, but it does seem to me like if the auto companies all go under and they file bankruptcy, I know they changed a bunch of bankruptcy stuff, but it seems – but I'm, I'm guessing that if the auto companies all file bankruptcy – Look, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of big companies don't really even pay taxes right now. So if they if they file bankruptcy, who knows? Are they going to have to still pay benefits? Are they going to have to pay pension? Are they going to have to, uh, you know, to honor all of their agreements with the workers? I mean, it just it sucks, but it might be the the thing that sucks the least out of a big pile of things that suck. I just don't. I, know. I think I, I think I agree with that point. I do. I just I was just kind of playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, look around for that uh, that email. I'll uh, I'll look for it. It could be. It could be interesting. Thanks a lot. Good Thank show. you. All right, Alex. Uh, what time is it? Wow, it's almost noon. It's about that time to break. Are you going to be playing a little something into the break, Sarah? I'm going to play my favorite and Tim Riley's favorite um, you, uh, Christmas song. Explain what we're about to hear. This is a cheesy Christmas song called "Christmas in the Northwest," sang by Brenda White. Ladies and gentlemen, Christmas in the Northwest. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Back after this. smoke underneath the bleachers after gym class. I know, seriously. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I so skate. Expensive. You skate. I was thinking we could get together and be a skating team. And so forth. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, home of the world's finest bumper music. Richie Bristol, do we have headphones? Oh, we do. Never mind. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Let's forget I spoke. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Big program today. So, uh... God damn, it's already 12.05. Where's the time go? Um, coming up later on today, we'll have uh, the sounds of Nickel Arcade, uh, a fine local band. Uh, the guys behind the Britney Watch theme. They'll be in the studio later on to play a couple songs. 
Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com will be joining us. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. I got like a hundred top fives. Um, at this point, I don't even know. We may never get to them. They may never be gotten to again. I just don't know. Uh, let's see. What else is coming? We have uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, Snuff Watch coming up today. All of that. Your phone calls and so forth. Now, as you know, uh, we heard a couple, uh, you know, folks calling about this last hour, and as as we've said a few times, as as we go through the next few. Weeks and months, there's going to be people who are either they haven't been listening or they just saw the blog or they just heard it on a podcast. So this past Monday, December 8th, uh, was it was Tim Riley's last day with the program uh, for the time being. Uh, he was laid off by CBS, and there's a whole, if you want to read the whole explanation, you can, you can see it at rickemerson.com. Uh, it's kind of a bad thing all the way around, and in any event. So going forward, though, uh, we're doing the best we can to make uh, to make at least quasi-palatable lemonade out of the bag of employment lemons we have been given. So for better or worse, and I'm inclined to think it's a little mix of both, there's a lot of folks who are going to be helping us out. We are going to be having a series of... next week's staff. I mean, that's the thing is like, and as it sort of snowballed, now we've heard from just a million different people. So we are having a series of laid off Portland media professionals filling in for Portland laid off media professional uh, Tim Riley. Uh, next week, we have, I think, four different people already sort of uh, hooked up. This week, we have Byron Beck. We have Tom Parker. And actually, returning for a second day to sort of finish out the week, our good friend Don Taylor. Hello, Don. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. This is like, what, three times this week I've been here. I'm finally becoming your Artie Lang. <laughs> Does that mean that you have to go, wait, uh, hold on, insert joke about heroin or... Pretty much, yeah. Wait, am I thinking of the right guy, Artie Lang? Yeah. He's the he's the, the, the drugged out guy, right? Right. All right. Well, in any event. See, if I was more familiar with Artie Lang, that pop culture reference would have gone a little bit better right now. So maybe you could be my... Uh, I got nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. I was going to say Doc Severance, and that didn't really work either. Uh, so we got all kinds of stuff coming up. We got another three hours of the program here. We will begin the news hour in just a moment. We got lots of things coming up, including the glorious Bastard of the Week, and we will be taking your phone calls. Let's get one call, then we will begin the news for you. Hello, uh, Sarah, Madam, is the case maybe? Okay. Hello. Hi. How you doing over there? Oh, marvelous. Very sorry. I, I thought I'd gotten uh, placated or something, but anyhow. I don't know what I, that means. Go ahead. At any rate, uh, yesterday you were talking about uh, Busted. Oh, the the, bag, the Multnomah County mugshot thing, yes. Dude, I had the funniest experience. So I went to that Penny Market, like, within 10 minutes of you mentioning that. Yes. And they had just, like, a floodgate of people come in there. And they had some other numb whatever guys, like, talking on the overhead from another competing radio station, if you want to call it that. And so this guy, like, says to me, as I'm buying the magazine, he's like, everybody Portland, recent same show? I'm like, oh, yeah, man, you wow. can have him on in here. It was all poo. I, I have no idea. There's just so many, there's so much to work so with did here. Did you get him to change the station? Did you get him to change the station, sir? I tried hard, but he he was kind of resistant to it. I don't know if he just didn't want to, you know, trot on unfamiliar ground or whatever. Sure, but sure. Definitely one of those like uncomfortable like intercultural exchanges, but uh, he, I left smiling, he left smiling, and hopefully next time I go in there, they'll be uh, rocking Rick Emerson. Well, thank you, and I should say actually, I, I don't. Uh, this is Eric, uh, a guy named Eric dropped this off. I hold in my hands actually. I hold a copy of "Look Who's Been Busted: The Portland Multnomah County Arrests for December," uh, and it's Volume One. So I actually have this in my hand, so I'll be uh, looking through this. So, well, thank you for attempting to spread the word and for uh, tracking down a copy. So you did find a copy of the newspaper. Was it everything oh, yeah. you hoped for? I have a copy of it. I've passed it throughout work and mentioned uh, name-dropped the Rick Emerson show about five or six different times. So Excellent. 
I'll right. keep spreading the word as long as you uh, try to get that damn Tim uh, Tim Riley back, man. We miss him. I uh, every day. Sir. You you are. Yeah. You, I'm you, in good you said it. Yeah, no, you. I was gonna say we are we are on the same page with you, my friend. All right, no, thank, man, keep it up, best show ever. Thank you for listening. All right, there you go. Next month, that uh, mini mart guy's gonna order like three times as many busted newspapers, Seriously. and he'll sell like three. And, and they're gonna be, sit there. Damn that Rick Emerson. Uh, so I I do have here. Uh, it is volume one. Look who's been busted. The Portland Multnomah County uh, mugshot collection for December. So I uh, we'll we'll go through this. Oh my this. God, this is glorious! I wish it was online, but you know what can you do? So I guess they're alphabetical. Well, I guess maybe they're not alphabetical. I realize now we're doing that thing of looking at something on the on the radio, and you all can't see it. But uh, I guess you can find this at some of our uh, more stylish convenience stores around town. It is just called "Look Who's Been Busted," and it, it it is exactly what it sounds like. It's just mugshots of people who have been arrested in Multnomah County. Mugshot name and then the charge. And I guess, and I don't know if that means. I guess that mean maybe they haven't gone to trial yet. So I guess we should say that maybe they're all, um, uh, whatever. Oh maybe they're God, all innocent so until proven guilty or something. But boy, there's some weird-looking people. There are uh, there are actually databases of this stuff that you can track down online. So when I worked at a newspaper in Columbia County, the sheriff's department there had a on their uh, there's a part of their website where they had the mugshots of everyone who was currently in jail. Really? So I could just go there and download it to put in the paper. But you could just go and look and say, hey, it, it's Jim. There'd be a there's a guy who looks exactly like Charlie Sheen. Really? Yeah. Are you sure it's not Charlie Sheen? I, I mean, really. I'm similar to it. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it would be out of the question. It, it, we should also note, there is, in fact, a page that is just people who are on the lam, uh, people who are, who are wanted by the man, such as um, Edith Garcia, who was wanted for distribution of cocaine. Uh, and then there's actually two pages of sex offenders. So, there you go. Who says that in Portland we don't specialize in something? Uh, wow. I don't see anybody I recognize. I'd like somebody to do a big, and then we really have to start. We have to, and we have to move on to that's something true. that's not entirely so visual on the radio. radio. By the way, shut up. <laughs> you know, we have so much, and we're sitting here reading a newspaper. I'm just gonna say, I'm actually in the room with you, and I'm bored. I want to. <laughs> you wouldn't be bored if you had a copy. I know. Too. I don't have a copy. I'm watching you guys read newspapers. I'm sorry. Was I? It'd be a shame if your microphone quit working, <laughs> ladies Rick, and gentlemen. Doing us a favor. The new news hour with Don Taylor. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Hello, Don. Hi. <laughs> All right, then. Here is uh, Don Taylor with your news. Five members of the same family were found guilty on Friday of involvement in a vicious axe attack against a 47-year-old man last spring near Haparanda in northern Sweden. The two sons in the family were sentenced to six years each in jail for acting as an accomplice to attempted murder. Lulea District Court also ordered the men to pay the victim a joint sum of 230000 kroner, $29,000, in damages. Their 73-year-old father, two sisters, and a friend of the family were awarded six to eight-month sentences for harboring a known criminal. A third son was requested to undergo a psychiatric evaluation after the court found that he, too, had been involved in the attack. Wait, so this is how many people attacking how many uh, people? Five people uh, with, on one guy with an axe. Not the other way around. I thought maybe it was sort of like a two-on-five or a one-on-six, but this is five people ganging up to kill one guy with an axe? Yes. Was he, were they really small or was he really big? Well, the 47-year-old victim, uh, he was in the village of, of Bochakala, north they, of Haparanda. Just Sure, that's right. Uh, and uh, the man had previously resided in the village and was in the area on a visit when he was assaulted by his former neighbors. Uh, apparently there had been an ongoing feud with the neighbors. You think? <laughs> 
which had come to a head during the past year. Besides, or to a neck. Besides the axe attack, the feud had also featured stone throwing, assault, and gunfire. Is this like a murder on the Orient Express kind of a thing where they all did it, sort of, and then like no one, like an I am Spartacus, but with an axe? Well, apparently a key piece of evidence for the prosecution was a film of what happened uh, <laughs> made by with a camera that the victim had placed on the roof of his car when he came home to what? visit. Wow. Like, he knew this was going to happen. So maybe he was Google mapping in the village of Hergenflagen. <laughs> and then, oh, by the way, it caught an axe attack. And also stoning, you said? They yeah, there was stone? uh, stoning and gunfire. gunfire. Doesn't it really seem like any one of those things, I'm thinking especially the gun, is probably all you really need? Like, you wouldn't think, I mean, look, this is a horrible thing I'm about to say, so I apologize in advance no, for being God. awful. You almost have to hand it to them, though, for, like, you know, keeping him alive long enough to use all three implements. I mean, you got you got the stones that you're throwing at him. you got a gun you're presumably shooting him with. You've got an axe with which you are attacking him. I'm saying, for me, I think it would probably be hard uh, to, you know, to, to just sort of make your way all all through uh, three of those. Well, those things all happened, apparently, over the course of the feud. So maybe it escalated. It's like, first there was a rock. Oh, I see. So... And then, like, assault beats rock, gun beats assault. <laughs> <laughs> hey, axe, axe trumps gun. Hello, Jurgen. Would you like to play a game of uh, rock gun axe head? Oh, those crazy Swedes. Yeah, and I don't. That's I don't even know what the Swedish voice sounds like. So that's yeah. just my approximation of them. Once again, you sounded just like Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> they all sound like. Uh, Nixon. The only other way I can do the Swedish thing is just to do the Morgan, 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 which is you know. Anyway, all right, Stone Taylor. Uh, we have a snuff watch. Yes, we do. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your snuff watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Page, the 1950s secretary-turned-model whose controversial photographs in skimpy attire, or none at all, helped set the stage for the 1960s sexual revolution, died Thursday. She was 85. Page was placed on life support last week after suffering a heart attack in Los Angeles and never regained consciousness, said her, market, her agent, Mark Rosler. He said that he and Page's family agreed to remove her life support. Before the heart attack, Page had been hospitalized for three weeks with pneumonia. She captured the imagination of a generation of men and women with her free spirit and unabashed sensuality, Rosler said. She is the embodiment of beauty. Paige was also known as Betty. Well, yes. Oh, I see. <laughs> Betty with a Y. I it think that she was actually it. born, I do believe. <laughs> I do believe that Betty Page is, well, yeah, because she spelled it professionally, B-E-T-T-I-E. Ah. And this is the sort of minutia that like only like nerds care about. But I do believe that at birth her name was Betty May, and it was B-E-T-T-Y. Uh, Betty May like May West. Well, also known as B-E-T-T-Y, Betty, uh, attracted national attention with magazine photographs of her sensuous figure in bikinis and see-through lingerie that were quickly tacked up on walls in military barracks, garages, and elsewhere where they remained for years. You kind of have this puzzled look on your face as though you're not quite grokking the whole thing. No, I do grok. I understand uh, Betty Page. I say it's the writing of this particular uh, wire piece of, like, you know, her the the uh, photographs of her were quickly tacked up on walls in military barracks, garages, and elsewhere. I just, as a writer, I just have Is to... Is that like when someone says... kind of awkward. It's like on the Leica show when a guy... There's a few things that they don't let... Every radio show has a couple things that are grounds for instant, like, expulsion or, or you know, where you're just not allowed to do them. 
Uh, I know. I don't know if it's this way on Mike O'Mara, but I know on the Donna Mike show, you were not allowed to say whatnot. If you ever said whatnot, you went, well, so anyway, uh, I was at home playing Madden 08 and whatnot, and it was like, <laughs> gone, called, done. On Lycus, they have a zero-tolerance policy for, for, for uh, profanity. If you swear once, they don't, I mean, they bleep it, but then they hang up. But the other thing that Lycus will not allow is when a guy talks about meeting some woman and then, you know, and then, and then having the sex, you're not allowed to say one thing led to another. Because so, uh-huh. so I met this uh, girl at a bar, and, uh, you know, she was drunk, and so, you know, Tom, one thing led to another, and he'll just immediately cut you off. It. Like, you cannot say one thing led to another. Like, I demand detail. You must give us A through Z. Um, so maybe this is like your thing when they go, and et cetera. Or... It kind of, because, well, there is this sort of rule of threes when you're writing about these things, because if it had just said, tacked up in military barracks and garages, that sounds way too specific. Yeah, right. then you would think... Well, well the and, only two places yeah. ever. So you would need military barracks, garages. How would and, you have written it, Don Taylor? Uh, if, if the Tribune still paid you, uh, how I, would you have written it? I would have probably said that uh, attracted national attention, um, and but that uh, her that she that she became a very popular pinup girl. See, you and, know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go specifically say, and her pictures were tacked up in garages and elsewhere. I mean, it's like just say she was a popular pinup girl. Go for the. You'll be succinct. And see, this is and this is the difference between you and I and whatever uh, hack wrote that. Because I, of course, would overwrite, as anybody who knows me will tell you, that I would have written it as, uh, you know, pinup girl whose visage adorned the walls of garages. What was the other thing? Military barracks. Garages, military barracks, and any other place where men congregated and admired the supple curves of the female form and all of its dazzling, if slightly taboo, glory. See, that would have worked as well, though. That yeah. would have at least. And then I'd play like a Led Zeppelin song or whatever. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Paige mysteriously disappeared from the public eye for decades, during which time she battled mental illness and became a born-again Christian. After resurfacing in the 1990s, she occasionally granted interviews but refused to allow her picture to be taken. Although I did uh, just today, you can go online, there's a picture of her from just a few years ago. Yeah. And she still looked great. She still looked really great, and I, she did it, I think, to satisfy really the legions of fans. who, Because there was really only two, two schools of thought. Uh, you know, on Betty Page, you know, the one school of thought was which she herself sort of espoused was, and we played that great opening clip. And I, by the way, I should give credit. Joni DeRoshi created that opening clip that we played at the beginning of the program where it was, um, uh, it was a, you know, it, it sounded like, I don't know what, it, I think it was a movie or a variety of show or something where she was being introduced. And then it was an interview with her later in life. And then it was a song about her. But there's that interview where she says, she goes, nobody wants to see you when you're old, old age sucks. Let you know, I want people to remember me young and beautiful. So she, for the longest time, wouldn't allow herself to be photographed. And you know what? You really have to, you have to really admire that because especially when you are, have any degree of fame and she didn't for a long time, didn't have any amount of money. Because uh, Irving Claw, the guy who took a lot of those photographs, and Bunny Yeager, the photographs that people know of her, retained all the rights. And she didn't really make any money off those photographs that everybody else, you know, seemed to have profited from. And it's the same, you know, it's like you hear with bands, where bands, some guy will write a hit song, and it's, you know, it's, you know it sells a billion copies, and he makes 15 cents on it. Same thing with Betty Page. And so later in life, I think the temptation to cash in would have been almost overwhelming, and she really resisted in most ways. And a lot of, and I've already heard this morning from a couple people who were really big fans. Who I got an email from a guy earlier today, and I don't think I have it in front of me now, who said he was actually part of this sort of quest in the '90s to track her down and make sure that she was okay and find out whatever you know what was up with her. And she finally did a couple of interviews, and she took she had one photograph taken. But she didn't really exploit it beyond that, and she had a great 
for a woman who, by all accounts, was, I mean, she had a you know, hard life and nothing came from what we would call, um, she came from, uh, you know, meager, meager circumstances. And, but she had a great sense of, she had a great sense of iconography and a great sense of the mythos of the whole thing. And she knew, and again, it's not because she was making money on those old photos, because she wasn't. The reason she stayed out of the public eye wasn't for money and it wasn't for, it wasn't for anything other than the fact that she knew that the magic was in that image of her from that time and she wanted to preserve it at, at actually at a financial cost to herself. And you gotta, you know, you gotta give it up for that. That is a, that is a sort of code that is in short supply in this fading republic of ours. And those photographs are so amazing too because she just always looks like she's having a good time. That's the great thing about those There's photos. There's an intelligence and a pleasure in what she's doing in her eyes that's right. missing from so much of the, the, the naked chick photography. Well, and it's, you know, and a lot of, I mean, I was talking to Storm about this last week, that I can, I can sit, and I know this, this doesn't sound, this doesn't sound like I'm that, that much different than any other guy. I can talk about porn forever. <laughs> but I can, but, I, but just the whole industry of, whether it's softcore or hardcore or mainstream or whatever, I can sit and talk about, about the, just the culture of porn, which sounds like a weird phrase, forever, because it's just such a fascinating shadow world, which is why I think you get movies like Boogie Nights or Hardcore with George C. Scott or even The Auteur, which James Westby here in Portland just put out. It's just such a fascinating, like, parallel but not quite, not quite above-ground world. And, but those Betty Page pictures as you said, are just they have, people have been trying forever to replicate that look and that style with varying degrees of success. But there's really nothing else like those. And it is that she does seem to genuinely be having a good time. And I don't really know the circumstances behind that. You hear like Linda Lovelace, you know, and those folks like that always talk about how, well, you know, I had a machine gun pointed at my thorax the whole time, <laughs> you know, because some Jesus guy gets a hold of her and sticks a bunch of brainwashing into her head. And on the um, other hand, you always have like Jenna, Jenna Jameson, who always claims that she always was having great sex and always liking it and going, really? Right. Really? That was real. Right. Really? Well, and, and, you know, and you also get what Paul Thomas Anderson calls the, um, the uh-huh, you know, girl. And the uh-huh, you know, girl, Paul Thomas Anderson, who wrote and directed Boogie Nights, he did a lot of research for that, of going and interviewing a lot of porn stars, past, present, future, you know, whatever. And the character of Roller Girl is based on all of these girls he met, and he called it the uh-huh, you know, girl. And he said that was the girl who clearly was in porn because something really odd and bad and weird had happened to her back in, uh, you know, back in, uh, you know, uh, Akron. And she escaped into this world of porn because it was really the only it was the only place she felt like she could you know make a living and whatever. And he described interviewing these girls, and that he'd be like, "So, you know, what you know, what's it like working in the in the porn industry?" And the girls would be like, "Well, you know," and he'd be like, "Well, but don't you? I mean, are you you know? Did you come to this because you have some sort of you know? Do you feel like you have issues, or do you feel like maybe this is this is addressing some?" Some something in your in your persona that you're going to have to deal with. Are you coming to this from a bad place, or you do? I mean, you know, do you, do you worry about maybe if this is affecting you in some way? And the girls would go, well, you know. And he said that he you could talk to those girls, and you knew at some point it was all going to come out, as it always at some point like the bubble was going to burst and everything was going to come out of them. And and that's like that scene in Brooklyn Nights where Roller Girl just she just she just kicks the s out of that guy with her roller skates. 
Um, and he's like, that's what happens when the uh-huh, you know, girl finally snaps. And everything about the uncle who taught her how to kiss just comes pouring out in one big sob session. And Betty Page obviously had a weird background, but you never got the sense in those photographs. And again, they're just pictures. But you never got the sense that there was anything coerced or forced or weird or dark in any of them. They were like the most cheerful bondage photos you'd ever see in your life. I mean, which sounds bizarre, but anyway. In a similar sort of way, though, I think that's why there's also this this big market in this kind of subgenre of, of amateur porn. Right. That you're actually watching people who are having sex because they want to be having sex with each other. Right. Not because they've had bizarre things bleached and shaved and they're getting paid to, <laughs> to show up at this house in the San Fernando Valley and, you know... <laughs> It is true. Speaking of Jenna Jameson, when's the last time you took a good long look at her? Yeah, she, I mean, she's like five Jenna miles Jameson. of bad road. Wow. I mean, it's like... It, it, you she's know, like all leathery and stretched out and that's weird. Totally. And she's like, like a Muppet. And doesn't it seem to you when you look at Jenna Jameson, who was at, a time, at one point truly beautiful, I mean, a really beautiful woman, but it's like sometimes you look at somebody, man or woman, and you kind of go, I know what you're going to look like when you're 60. Like you can just tell, and she's there now. It's yeah. like somebody put the lipo hose in... But then left the room and forgot to come back on time. And it's like everything has just been sort of sucked sucked on out of that. I think so. your body can probably only absorb so much bacteria <laughs> before it starts to break, break things down. Before the center cannot hold. Uh, all right. Um, hey, uh, I'll go out. Who wants to hear my bad morning show joke? Oh, I do. All right. This is uh, If uh, the Rick Emerson Show were a wacky morning program. All right, so this is this would be how I'd end the Betty Page snuff watch. Um, just read the opening sentence about how, how she died and from what she died. Uh, Betty Page, uh, the 1950s secretary-turned-model, whose controversial photographs and skimpy attire or none at all helped set the stage for the 1960s sexual revolution, died Thursday. She was 85. Uh, she was placed on life support after suffering a heart attack in Los Angeles. And you know, Betty Page died of a heart attack, and that's funny because, uh, you know, throughout her life, you know, she usually caused strokes. <laughs> You're not actually proud of that. No. He really particularly wants to be a morning show guy. I've actually thought about creating sort of an alternate persona and doing a morning show somewhere and then coming and doing this show. You know, back after this. Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. Is this my pizza? It is indeed. I got you a big... Do you like the... Like, um, I think it's like Canadian bacon and pineapple. I like any... Well, I was going to say I like anything except for pineapple. I'll, I'll remove the pineapple. Don't okay. worry about well, there's still a lot in the kitchen. Pineapple's really the only thing I can't abide on a pizza. Oh, I didn't used to like it, but the combination of the salty meat and the sweet um, pineapple is really yeah. good. No, I can't get with that. My parents always got uh, anchovies on their pizza, so I was actually a teenager before I realized I liked pizza. They would always do that thing where they'd go, oh, we could just pick it <laughs> off, but it would still taste really vile after they yeah. picked it off because you can't pick off anchovies. No, and here's the, uh, and you can't feed your family with a cod piece, Don. Uh, so the other thing about anchovies and you, then, is because it, that then makes you the only person who comes from a family where they actually do it. Because I thought that was a thing. I thought anchovies were like Limburger cheese, that they only existed to be referenced in, like, cartoons and stories. 
You know, they didn't. Nobody, yeah. nobody really went there. Go ahead, but with extra anchovies, please. My parents had vile food tastes. So, and then my mother couldn't cook, and my dad liked all the meat, like burnt to the point of shoe leather. Leather. So, I, I think one of the reasons I learned to cook and actually went to culinary school and stuff later was because uh, it, I was excited when I got into my teens and twenties and discovered, hey, pork chops don't suck. I think there's actually food I can eat yeah. that isn't repellent. Exactly. All right. Uh, coming up later on the day, Nickel Arcade will be in the studio. They'll be uh, performing a couple songs for us. They've got a show coming up Sunday. Aaron Duran will be here. We'll talk to Dorothy Carcassari, uh for the National Enquirer and uh, lots more. As you know, uh, all uh, through the rest of the year, uh, the laid-off Tim Riley uh, will be filled in for by a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals. Coming up next week, a whole slew of folks, some of whom you may know, some of whom you may not. Uh, we've had uh, Byron Beck this week, Tom Parker, and today, the laid-off Don Taylor. Hello. Hello. Oh, it's me. We have a Joy of Christmas thing. It's Yay. time for Rick Emerson's Joy of Christmas for Friday. When officials found a black Lexus engine running in the middle of the Glen Jackson Bridge Wednesday night, they feared the worst. But worst, yes. Uh, Tim is right. The the type this on this is very, too small. <laughs> it is too small. But a quick response from multiple agencies ended with the rescue of 38-year-old Ridgefield man who had apparently jumped 100 feet into the waters below. Downriver, deputies Kenny Yobi and Ron Osborne of the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office River Patrol were on duty. The 54th annual Christmas ship parade had just kicked off, and they were watching over the dozens of boats decked in sparkling lights that were touring the Columbia and Willamette Rivers. On any other night, we wouldn't have had a boat out, Yohi said. Yes, it's not Yobi, it's Yohi. We would have been responding from home. But instead, they were able to respond in only about 10 minutes at about 7.45 p.m. Marine units with Portland police and boats from the Port of Portland also responded, because, you know, I guess they were there, as did deputies from Clark County, who had spotted the man clinging to a log near a bridge support. Okay, here's why the story is fantastic. Because he's, he's not dead, right? I can make fun? Uh, I don't believe so. I think he's alive. Yeah, he's alive. Well, he jumped. Did he jump? He jumped. He jumped oh. to try to kill himself. Yeah. Wait, okay, yeah, so... Yeah, he lived. Okay, so he jumped from where into what? He jumped from the Glen Jackson Bridge, which is a, is huge. So, I mean... People he, usually die just jumping off the bridge. I was going to say, so, I mean, it's, that's... Man, jumping off it's a... 100 feet. Jumping off a like bridge more than that. is... That's a weird way to try to do that. I mean, I... You, I, you, know, you may not have gone all the way out to the middle. <laughs> Leave me. He didn't really think it through. Really, you need to go home with a protractor and a copy of Microsoft Excel and really plan out from what you're going to jump. The... Well, we've talked about this before, and I know, that you, Don, you probably thought this. Sarah and I uh, have both thought about, like, when you see a big, tall building downtown, you think about, like, well, if I was going to jump, from where would it be? Yesterday when I was driving to work, there was a fire truck in front of the Hilton and, like, an ambulance, and the first thing I did was look up at the roof. Totally. I just parked out there, and I'm just you, like... You just figure some guy's just, you know, just tossed himself from there. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, by the way, I totally have my uh, I totally have my high point picked out. I'm just, I'm not going to tell you where it is. I don't want to be all crowded, you know, and suddenly make it, the, you know, where, like, there's a line or anything. But I've totally got the thing picked out that I will jump from. Well, the one, there's this one bridge in, uh, in Columbia County. It's, like, what, the Lewis and Clark Bridge? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was working at a paper down there, a guy did kill himself jumping off the bridge, and it was the same thing. They found the car at 5 o'clock in the morning, just parked in the middle of the bridge, and then, like, three days later, they found the body. Uh, some fishermen found it, and uh, I was working on a story for it, so I got to call the coroner's office and talk to them, and it was a great conversation. I'm going, so what kind of shape was the body 
in. And, you know, he said, no, it wasn't bad. He said, because the, the water's really cold, right, this time of year. So, so it actually kind of preserved a little. He said, I said, oh, so, but usually a body that's like, Three days. He's like, oh, yeah, we, we've seen some nasty stuff. It's like jumping into a, a big pile of watery mothballs. Yes. Um, but I drove across that bridge, and then the next time I drove across that bridge, when I got to the middle, I, of course, had to look over the side like, this is where the guy jumped from. And I was like, holy crap, because this is a very high bridge. I have to say, really, uh, this is both the best and worst way to end this week is by having a conversation like this. <laughs> Have you seen that documentary, The Bridge? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Well, that's, about the, about the Golden Gate Bridge in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, that's a thing that once it's in your head, you just kind of go, why did I put that it there? It will never Damn get it. out. I'm terrified of, of falling from a high place. I, I love heights, like if I'm strapped in or if I'm inside a building mm-hmm. or an airplane, I'm great with heights. But anything where I'm, like, there's a possibility I could fall or get even a ladder, I get freaked out. So the whole idea of jumping off of something high to kill myself is uh, inconceivable. You seem more like the pills kind to me. <laughs> I would probably be the pills kind. I mean, I'm just speculating. Sarah, you'd you'd think the same, probably. Doesn't mm. Dawn seem like pills and maybe a big fistful of booze? I got some, like, red wine. Yeah. I've always saying. thought that if, that when I die, I would like to be uh, unexpectedly decapitated. <laughs> because Well, because there's that whole thing where um, supposedly you still have brain activity for about three seconds afterwards. You just want to so, know if it's true? Well, I thought it would be great. Yeah. And also, if your last thought, your your head, like, falls off and it rolls away, and your last thought is like, what just happened? <laughs> oh, my God, that's my body over there. And then nothing. <laughs> Would just so be the best way. You to desire know. that to be your last living thought. Well, it's like there's my body. The, the best part, by the way, is is how you led up to this. Your overture statement was, "It would be great if, like, in a perfect world." Well, it's better than a long, slow death. No, I'm with and you. And have that. one last really cool experience. Oh, I think no. you're the first person to ever say I desire a quick decapitation and an unexpected decapitation. Well, I'm not asking that. for it to happen this week. But like, if you had to go. If I had to go. Right. So would you ask one of your friends if you like knew you were dying of some terminal illness? And Look, like, I've... Sneak up behind me. I've got this sword at home now. That's it doesn't have to be today. That's not exactly unexpected, though. No, but I mean... I know it's going to happen sometimes, so then I'd just be nervous all the time. Well, but I mean, maybe maybe you should do this. Maybe you should uh, invest in the sword, and then you find a friend you trust, and you say, now look, uh, and you give him parameters. You say, either <laughs> after I'm over the age of 70, or whatever, yeah. uh, or if I have been diagnosed with one of the following things... You know, because then, because then I might either be senile or I've just forgotten. But you, but in order to make it truly, and then it will be unexpected. And to make it though truly random, here's the thing: within those parameters of like, look, uh, you know, cancer, uh, you know, Hodgkin's, whatever it is, stuff that kills you, uh, or over the age of, you know, seventy, you're like, that's when the whole thing goes into effect. But beyond that, he must then roll a twenty-sided die to figure out <laughs> when specifically he'll do it once all the conditions are in place. So even within the conditions. You still won't know when because he will have to roll a die to figure out exactly when it all transpires. By the way... I'm going to write this up this uh, afternoon. And I look at that Wells Fargo uh, building downtown sometimes, and that's not a building you want to jump from because it angles out as it gets towards the bottom. It widens as you get toward the, the street. thunking. No, so, but not even a thunking. I think it, at a certain point, you're going to get about a third of the way down the Wells Fargo building, and it's going to turn into some concrete slide because it just it is almost like a gently sloping capital L. Well, it's better than that person who jumped off the... Um, the Paramount. Oh, no, uh, in New York. Why am I... Not oh, the Empire, State, Empire State, Building. State Building. Where they're just on pieces of him. Yeah, because there's a series of ledges. Oh. Oh. And so, it's, and so like somebody found a leg. And oh. Found, like, his arms. Yeah, Seriously, and it's... Put over here, boss. You know, and it's... Oh. That's a whole... Okay, that's can a whole we talk about guys. something else? I'm just saying. <laughs>
Oh, oh, but so final note. So we're talking about this because this guy jumped off right. of the bridge in, you know, into the water, and they only found him because the Christmas parade was happening. Right. So I do kind of love the idea, though, that there's like some families on shore with the binoculars or whatever it is, and they're like, you know, Santa's float, candy cane, guy with a massive head wound, elf boats, you know. And then later on, <laughs> later on, people are looking at the, you know, at the police boat, which is all decked out for the holiday season or whatever. And then it's a police boat with a big bleeding guy on board. So, I mean, it's sort of a with bonus. the lights all flashing, looking all festive, and they've got, like, the hook off the side dragging them, <laughs> dragging them up to the boat. As, as Burl Ives is playing over their PA across the river. All the sheriff's guys are still wearing their Santa hats. Totally. Oh, God. Anyway, as Boz Osborne drove the boat, Yohe hurled a rope into the water and pulled the men to safety. He could barely move, said Yohe. Officials estimate the man had been in the water about 40 minutes, and he was suffering from hypothermia. He was taken to Legacy Emanuel Hospital, where he is in intensive care. This is amazing, Yohe said. It was amazing that he was even alive. The man, conscious and alert, thanked his rescuers, said Sheriff's Office Spokesman Department Paul H. Mack McRedmond. 100 feet. Wow. It's a Christmas miracle that he lived it all. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Somehow it changed his world, so he'll be with his kids for the holidays. What I'm sure he'll be a lot of fun, too. <laughs> Which obviously is not what he wanted. <laughs> I'm going to leave you behind, but nah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can't imagine he's going to be a big bundle of fun at the Christmas dinner table, though. So how is, how's everybody's holidays been going? I wonder what he told his family without doing <laughs> I need more nog. Like some coffee or something. <laughs> okay, we have to end this. Uh, there's your joy of Christmas segment for. Uh... We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas and a happy new year. And so forth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi. Yes. Oh, hello. Yes. I'm sorry. Everybody That's... does that, and it always annoys me. Um, <laughs> and now you you are that guy, sir. <laughs> hey, uh, I just uh, like overcame kind of a, a problem I've, I've been having over the last few years, which is the the utter disdain for Christmas music. Mm -hmm. Not so much, you know, ar arbitrary music, but like the four songs that you hear at Safeway. Right. So. Recently, I figured out a way to get over that, and I just insert F-U in the words of the song, and uh, then all of a sudden it becomes a joyous song. So please, get... to give me an example now of, uh, of what you're talking about. Uh, F-U roasting on an open fire, or uh, F-U a Merry Christmas. You a Merry Christmas. You I love the idea much. that you're sort of humming this under your breath, by the way, whatever your place of business is while customers are filing by. That makes it especially yes. funny. Yes. Yes, I am at work. All yes. right. Well, thank you. Now I'm going to start doing that with everything I hear for the rest of the day. So thanks a lot. Sorry about that. No, 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 not, not at all. Well, you know what? Whatever one must do, the holidays can be a stressful time, so whatever one must do to, uh, you know, hey. to get through with a modicum of, uh, you know, don't, of sanity don't. is what you do. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I like my family and hanging out for Christmas. You're not going to be yeah. jumping off of anything anytime soon. Well, no. That didn't sound, that didn't sound very solid. <laughs> all right. Well, thank, thank you, sir. You. Uh, thank you. All right, one more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. Yeah, I, I wanted to know something. When they found this body, or this person that was floating in the water, they obviously tried to kill themselves. Now, did he put up a fight? 
Did he want to be taken on board, or did they have to, like, stun him? That's a good... Drag him on board. Well, stun him. thanked his rescuers. And just stun him like a bottlenose dolphin. Does uh, it have his name? No. No, it does not. No, it does not. Um, but... That's a that's an interesting question actually. If you sort of like, no, 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 you know, and no, just, I want to go. I yeah, I mean, go. you know, the uh, and it's sort of like a gurgle once for a yes, but gurgle if he twice for. Clinging to a rock, wouldn't he have just let himself? <laughs> well, that's true. I guess he would have just let himself slip underneath the waves to meet his uh, his eventual end. So probably yeah. clinging. To, that's a thing you probably reconsider. I would say almost immediately. My yeah. guess would be. I mean, look, I'm not saying that uh, everyone must choose. Everyone must choose their destiny, but. You know, and, and I, there are people who decide that uh, they've just had enough of this just spiraling uh, series of, uh, of failures and pain called the human experience, and they, uh, they figure that's it for me, and whatever. That's a choice between uh, you and the God of your understanding. That being said, i got to imagine jumping is one of those things where it, the minute your feet leave, leave the edge of the building or the bridge or whatever, you kind of go, ah, I should have, ah, crap. You know, and then on the way down, you're kind of going, I, I wish I hadn't done that. My father uh, was a fireman, but before that, he'd been a cop. And uh, we had a newspaper clipping when I was growing up in this uh, book. He had saved a woman once and gotten an accommodation for it. He was a patrol officer, a foot patrol officer in California on the Dondo Beach Pier. And a woman had uh, gone down the pier, climbed over, was going to kill herself, and then changed her mind and had been climbing back over the railing, and she fell in, nah, and she nah. couldn't swim. Oh, so she was screaming for help, and then he saved her. Yeah, I mean, I think my whole thing is if I think I was uh, ever going to do that, I would find some method that was absolutely unstoppable once begun. Because, you know, because then it's like, then you're not that woman. Then you're not somebody holding on to, like, a flagpole halfway down I was wrong. the Chrysler building going, will you please, a ladder, nah, you know, and just trying to, trying to figure out exactly how you're going to climb back inside the building. Once I do it, it's going to be like inside a rock-crushing machine, and then the yeah. off button, I will have disabled the off button beforehand, so there's, there's no going back. Yeah, I visualized them, uh... Uh, tasing the guy and then dragging him on board. <laughs> thank, thank you, sir. You have a great weekend. All Bye-bye. right. There you go. You know, by the way, only on this show, and this is fantastic, only on this program would a call like that end with, and have a great weekend. And the guy means it sincerely. Here's Don Taylor in for the laid off Tim Riley. A Dearborn man learned this morning that when you handcuff your wife to a bed, make sure you know where the key is first. Dearborn police officers responded to a call at 7.15 a.m. today by the man requesting help, Sergeant Ray Patrick said. They had to use a universal key to free the woman. I think it was more of an intimate relationship than an unlawful imprisonment, Patrick said. So this is a guy, uh, allegedly. Does it have the guy's name? No. Okay. So, see, I love it when they don't have the guy's name because then you can just sort of ponder with impunity. But this is clearly some guy who's shackled his loved one to a bed so they can get it on like Gerald's game style and then uh and then there's no key. Yeah. Which and if you've read the Stephen King novel Gerald's Game, you know exactly what I'm talking I about. Read that. And uh which is just the greatest hype. I think that you've got to establish that it exists before you probably get yourself in hand. I think you have two keys. And you know, I think one is on the dresser right over there where you can see it and I think maybe the other one is oh, I don't know, like tied to your person somewhere. Put that thing around your neck, maybe, on a chain of some kind. I don't know if it's an urban legend, but what supposedly didn't that happen with Shirley Jones and Marty Ingalls, because they're married, and she she, uh, tied him to the bed and something, handcuffed him, and then he had a heart attack, and she couldn't get him undone, and she had to, like, she waited to call the police or something? I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard that. Look that up. Chris Paddock would probably know. But, I mean, the handcuff keys aren't hard to come by either because, like, isn't there, as you just said, isn't there one key to rule them all? Isn't yeah. Like, all handcuffs have one yeah. key. I used to work with a guy uh, who was uh, sort of a ne'er-do-well, and he had 
it was on God, where was it? It wasn't on his keychain. It it was though like a it was like a necklace or a bracelet that was presumably like it looked like an ankh or something, you know, just some 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 something he wore, some decoration, some design. But if you looked really closely, part of it was obviously designed to function as a handcuff key. And I said I said, what is up with that necklace? He goes, oh, he goes, like, dude, he goes, if you turn it this way and look at this, he goes, this part, it'll open any pair of handcuffs. And I said, well, why? Okay, that's great. Why do you have that? I said, foolishly. And his eyes kind of narrowed as though he was trying to figure out what answer to give me uh, or whether I was, like, going to turn him into the man. He goes, well, you know, sometimes you just never know. And then he just, like, walked away. And I was like, all right, well, whatever. But I'm in forward thinking again, you know? Actual handcuffs, though, are not sexy. They hurt. They're metal. They're they're hard metal. I would say that there's only well, there's only two ways you can go with the handcuffs. Probably you've got the regular like regulation cop handcuffs, and I think I have a pair of those in my office. I think they're like one of those big boxes of porn that Taboo gave us at one point. But I got like the big metal handcuffs upstairs. So those, you know, uh, those I guess cost you a fair amount. Uh, I will tell you, I have been handcuffed once uh, by the man. Not not so much like in a sexy way, but in a get in the back of the car way. And I can testify to the fact that they do hurt. Um, so, which I guess is really like comfort isn't job one when they're designing those things. So you got the regular handcuffs, which hurt, unless that's kind of what you're going for, so that's no good. But the only other option are like the weird, like those retarded sexy handcuffs where it's like they've got, they've got like, or yeah, like pink leopard skin padding or, you know, like leopard print padding or something on the inside. You just came to things. There are other options though. They're like uh, nice, like leather cuffs that, that have uh, sheepskin line that they buckle and they have like O-rings on them or so I've heard. Moving on. <laughs> Let's move on to another news story, shall we? And then, uh, Richie, do we have Dorothy exactly at the top of the hour? When are we speaking with Dorothy Carcassari from the Inquirer? Is that directly at the, is that at 1 or is it like 105, 110? Other? 1 p.m. Okay. So let's do like uh, one more here, and then we'll take a break, come back, and we'll reset. Okay. Uh, how bad are things around the Motor City? That would be Detroit, in case you weren't aware of it. So bad that even John John's Cabaret is offering half-off deals. The topless club in the suburb of Warren, where General Motors and Chrysler employ upwards of 20,000 people, cut the cost of a table dance in half from $20 to $10 in mid-November. The dancer gets all the money plus any tips while food and drinks generate the club's income, General Manager Kelly Sanders said Tuesday. John Jones has lowered prices on drinks, but business is still down 50% from a year ago, Sanders said. She now opens the club at 6 p.m. instead of 11 a.m. People can't afford to go out and have fun the way they used to, said Sander, whose club is on Mound Road, located roughly between GM's technical center and the GM powertrain and Chrysler pickup truck assembly plants. They go uh, take me a trip to Mound Road. Of course, it has to do with the economy. Of course, everything does. The I, I do like the idea, though, that, I mean, that, I mean I, I'm only half kidding when I say this. I love the idea that they are using that as one of those economic ind- indicators, the strip club, because we, uh, you know, I do, uh, I can talk about this now, I, I do uh, Outlook Portland, which is the uh, the Sunday morning public affairs program in the CW, and a couple, we- and I'm, you know, public affairs programming is not typically known as being entertaining or, or hilarious or whatever, a lot, a lot of times a network or a station will put it there because they're required to do it, you know, and I, I try to sort of make ours a cut above in terms of the amusement factor, but we were doing this uh, show about recession-proof industries, and we had a bartender a pawn shop owner, and a stripper. And I was talking to the stripper about, you know, are tips up? Are they down? Do guys, when guys come into the strip club, are they talking about their jobs or their boss or whatever? And I really do think 
I'm only half joking about this. I think when strip clubs start to hurt and when bars start to hurt, that is really how you know things are bad out there. Because you got to figure, there's a few things that, you know, let's say in this case, guys are always going to want to buy. Guys are always going to want beer and they're always going to want, like, boobs. And so the idea in their ear or wherever. And so the idea that a guy is... I mean, and you figure at that point, when, he, when a guy is cutting back on beer or, uh, like, uh, strippers, he's already cut everywhere there is to cut. Not, not unlike in certain industries, they've already cut all the easy places. Then it's just a series of hard choices. So, so to speak. He's already, I mean, he's already said, like, uh, you know, he's already, well, I'll, uh, I'll keep Showtime, but not Cinemax. I will... Uh, I will continue to eat out on uh, Thursdays, but I will only go to drive-thrus. I will go to no place that has cloth napkins. You know, they've already made all of the sort of reductions in the budget that they can. And then finally, at, 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 at the end of the day, at long last, he's just looking at the bottom, and his eyes keep darting back and forth Homer style between beer and strippers. Beer and strippers. And then he must just close his eyes and force himself to pick randomly. And then weeps. Like the smallest of babies. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. More from Don Taylor. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Aaron Duran. Uh, Nicole Arcade will be in studio to perform for us later on. And more of your phone calls. Stay there. It is Friday. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. We are back after this. Stay there. from deep within the suck. This is the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970, The Talker. The Tom Likas Show on AM 970. Man, you are great, man. I listen to absolutely everything you say. I know these guys are singing your praises, and rightfully so, because you are the guru, you know? Keep doing what you're doing, Tom. I really appreciate you, and you mean a lot to me, and to a whole lot of people. No dinner. Eat dinner before you go out. What about like a quick burger? That kind of no. Thing? Not with her. Okay, no dinner. Cool. No. It's drinking and humping. Oh, yeah. Your broadcasts over the last three or four weeks have been absolutely outstanding. Your listeners who kind of only think you are the, the guy who's going to teach them, you know, about their relationships. And, uh, and I really, my hat's off to you. I really respect you, and I love your show even more now. The Tom Likas Show. Weekdays at 3, only on AM 970. The Talker. The hardest part of mental illness is not that no one else understands you. It's that you don't understand yourself. You don't know how to explain what's happening. Even when you get diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression, it's still difficult to explain. They don't understand why you can't control yourself, your speech, your actions, the way they do. They're afraid of it, so they become afraid of you. My friends stopped calling. I went through a divorce. I felt like there was nowhere I could turn. Then I read a story in the newspaper about NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and I called. It's not that they gave me the reasons to get out of bed or eat something or get on with my day. It's that they showed me how. My name is September Lutz. What I want you to know is that if you or your loved one is sick, you're not alone. One in five adults lives with depression, schizophrenia, anxiety, or other mental illnesses. NAMI provides education and support to these families and individuals. To find a local chapter, go to NAMI.org. 
or call 800-950-NAMI. This morning, amidst growing tension between factions, the North Bank was unexpectedly besieged by kittens. We go live to the scene. There were kittens everywhere. My daughter, she tried to run, but it was no use. They were too cute. No group is officially claiming responsibility for the action, but the Prime Minister is wasting no time declaring peace on all neighboring nations. We pledge to step up our country's production of scratching posts, the catnip and the squeaking plastic mice. Meanwhile, in the U.S., Republicans and Democrats unanimously passed the Fetch Act, making Texas the largest dog park in the world. You have been listening to Global News Hour. Pets really do make the world a better place. Help us end petlessness. Visit the Oregon Humane Society at OregonHumane.org. Forget about those scoundrels in Congress. The LaRog Brothers have your bailout plan. Rick and Dave, the LaRog Brothers say... Cash in your pocket is safer than money in the bank. LaRog Jewelers will hand you instant cash for any worn out or even broken jewelry. Take a look in your jewelry box and bring it all to the LaRog Brothers. This is a great way to put holiday cash in your pocket. And listen to this. Rick and Dave will hand you an additional 20% cash if you would like to select something new and sparkly from LaRog Brothers. Now is the time to get in on the great LaRog Brothers bailout for your unwanted jewelry with or without stones. LaRog Brothers is buying gold, silver, and platinum seven days a week, east side in the Sunnybrook Center across from the Clackamas Costco, and west side on the corner of Southwest Hall and Greenberg Road, right next to the big mall, but not near the price. This is Rick, and I'm Dave, and we approve this message. How to really stuff a stocking. Step one, go to the Home Depot. Step two, get a Ryobi One Plus cordless tool free, up to an $89 value when you buy any Ryobi 18-volt combo kit for someone special on your list. Step three, consider picking up a bigger stocking. Great holiday offers and special buys only at the Home Depot. You can do it. We can help. U.S. only through December 31st. See store for details. Attention shoppers. It's STD season. So check out the latest in chlamydia. Gonorrhea now on sale in his and hers matching sets. In aisle nine, syphilis, a retro favorite. And nothing says I love you like herpes. This thoughtful gift lasts forever. In the real world, no one wants an STD, so Trojan Condoms has a website dedicated to preventing them. With art, film, and dialogue inspiring America to evolve and become sexually healthy. Join us at EvolveOneEvolveAll.com. Do you find thinking to be altogether too much work? Do you long to be told what's right, what's wrong, and how to feel about every single thing? Then AM 970 is here to help. No longer must you bother forming your own opinions. With our mix of current events, comedy, and pure distilled brainwashing, you need never make up your own mind again. Join us and feel your life relax. Live all day and always available at 970.am. This is Portland's own AM 9 the Talker. KCMD Portland. This is AM 970. 
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on the day, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com. Uh, Nickel Arcade will be in the studio later on to play uh, a little music for us. Glorious Bastard of the Week coming up. And uh, more of your phone calls, etc. Of course, uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer joining us in a few minutes. And as we move through this week and the rest of the year... Uh, we will be having a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Today is our good friend, the lovely Don Taylor. Thank you. How are you? I am delightful. All right. And I'm excited. Fantastic. Oh, I'm excited because we have a penis watch. All right, then. I'm sorry. I was distracted, <laughs> no lie, by a picture of Michael Bolton on the screen here that somebody just sent me. So Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. By the way, before we move into this uh, undoubtedly uh, delicate subject matter, is it true that you, in fact, have a horrible gynecological anecdote to share with the audience? Uh, sure, if, right. if you want to hear it. I, a, little, uh, a little bird, Sarah. Uh, told me that. Would you like to hear it now? No, but I'm gonna file it away. Oh, I just... Yeah, but we've got to. We have to finish it. I didn't know if I, uh, I didn't know if I'd heard uh, false information or if that was a thing you actually uh, <laughs> did have, in fact, uh, prepared to tell well, us. We were, but, uh... we were talking about the inappropriate touching by. Uh... By professionals in certain. Oh yeah. By the way, and can I tell you? We, yesterday we had this whole story about. Um, we had this whole story about some teacher was like having sex with students and whatever, and you know the way it always kind of kind of goes. Where I got the weird. I haven't even read the email. But I got this email uh, earlier today. Let's see if I've got it right here. I don't know if I don't if I don't see it right away. I'll, I'll go I'll go look for it and and uh, we'll read it uh, later. But I but I got a guy who emailed me in response to that story about the teacher having sex with a student or whatever, and it was just the weirdest subject line. To oh here we go. I haven't even read the email that goes with the subject line. The email. I mean what. The, Really, what could you what could you expect in an email that is led with this sentence? Hey, Rick, a rich gold mine of molesting teacher stories. So, I mean, I don't even really know what that's gonna. If I click on that, I'm not quite sure what to expect. So, I'm gonna ponder it a bit. A cavalcade. A, cav a cavalcade. Here's uh, Don Taylor with your penis watch. One of the longest-running spousal debates may now be settled in favor of men and for the sake of little boys. Leave the toilet seat up, some British doctors now say. The reason? A rising trend for heavy wooden and ornamental toilet seats to fall down onto the penises of unsuspecting and just potty-trained toddlers. By the way, we should uh, take a moment to note that we are discussing this as a medical and sociological issue here in the new news hour at... 106, uh, on uh, AM 970, KCMD Portland, a news talk radio station operating in the public interest, convenience, and necessity as mandated by the FCC. Dr. Joe Phillip and his colleagues at Leighton Hospital Crew in England detail such penis crush injuries in the wow. December issue wow. 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 of wow. the journal wow. BJU International. Are you making this up? Uh, I wish I was. The team reports on four boys between the ages of two and four who were admitted to hospitals with the injuries serious enough to require an overnight stay. BJU? <laughs> BJU International. Apparently, it's a penis-related medical journal. You think? <laughs> 
The doctors say the injuries have implications for holiday travel and at-home toilet safety for parents with male toddlers. You should never have to worry about at-home toilet safety. Can I? Male, female, old, young, gay, straight. Uh, it's supposed to be your safe place. Seriously, if you're not safe on the toilet in your home, presumably behind a closed door, you're not safe anywhere. As Christmas approaches, many families will be visiting relatives and friends, and their recently toilet-trained toddlers will be keen to show how grown up they are by going to the toilet on their own, Philip said. It is important that parents check out the toilet seats in advance, not to mention the ones they have in their own homes, and accompany their children. Also, uh, really, can I speak to this business of the heavy ornamental toilet seat? It's just a toilet. Can we just can we move past it? You know that it's like the uh, that's like you the, mean it's just a death trap, Rick. Just a death. That's uh, like the uh, penis uh, trap. That's like the uh, the, the the like the weird fluffy little uh, the, the whatever the little carpet base thing they put around the bottom and like the the but the matching one that goes on top of the seat. And look, I know we're as we sometimes say doing actual bathroom talk here, but here's the thing. I can almost get with that little, whatever you call it, that little rug that goes around the base of the toilet that's cut out. You know, it's like a U-shaped rug that goes around I don't understand what the point of that rug is. But, but, okay, but I can almost, okay, because sometimes maybe you get like the rust marks where the toilet meets the floor or something. Okay, I don't maybe. understand the rug on the toilet tank cover either. No, see, but I, here's, here's what I don't get. You can have the thing around the base of the toilet, again, because sometimes also the base of the toilet, over time at the foundation shifts, you'll get like a tiny little space between the base of the toilet and and the floor, and then nothing happens, but it's sort of unsightly. Okay, you want to cover that? Fine. What I don't get is, to your point, the thing covering the toilet tank, that's bad, It's all, but it's not as bad as that little rug covering thing that goes on the toilet seat itself. And you women don't have to deal with this. But I'm just saying, if you are a, a man... And you're in uh, using the restroom, and perhaps you are standing up uh, for your uh, your stand-up business. You have lifted up the toilet seat cover and the seat itself, and you have leaned them back against the tank. And that, like, soft, pillowy carpet thing often will push it forward enough that it goes past the center of gravity. And, yes, the seat and the lid fall down in the middle of your business. Business, which is, I mean, once, uh, you know... Changing horses mid 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 stream is just uh you know that's it's difficult you can't uh that's a conveyor belt that goes one way kids so I mean it's just I I would say for all of us if we could a get rid of ornamentalized toilet uh, toilet seats and then not have the thing on the back well here's my question and I'm glad I'm here on this show so I can ask this where these questions are are asked um. If you had, I, I've lived with men, and I've wondered this for a long time. I've been married twice. I have Let's lots of male roommates. Make sure that we're moving forward in a clean fashion. No, if, if you had a glass of water, if you had a glass <laughs> of cola, if you had a glass of just some kind of innocuous liquid, and you were going to pour it into, say, a bowl or another, wouldn't you put your hand down and get the glass of water as close to it as possible so it wouldn't splash all over the place? Are you asking why men don't sit down for everything? I'm asking why if you're a six, you would do that, and yet you're, say somebody's a six-foot-tall man, they will stand up to, and to, to pee into something that's like three feet away. Why? I, I have to say I've never really thought about it. Uh, I would say maybe uh, because men value convenience over cleanliness. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, if I had, if I really push comes to shove, if I had to tell you why, it's because men prefer what is easy over what is tidy. That would just be my, all right. Uh, is this Dorothy? Yeah, this is Dorothy Carson, sorry. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's close out. There's your, uh, 
Famous watch for Friday. Friday. Get my enormous penis. Uh. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. And. All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. More from Don Taylor here in just a, a few. Later on, Nickel Arcade will be in studio performing for us. Oh, and we also have to uh, try to find some way to raise 50 bucks for uh, the Rockathon so that we can have Big Jim shave for cheese arm pits. And also that. Uh, let's see, Erin Duran will be joining us and uh, more. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, I didn't get her uh, theme ready. I'm sorry, that's totally my fault. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the greatest newspaper in the history of civilization. Our good friend Dorothy Casaseri from the National Enquirer. Hello, Dorothy. How are you today? I am great. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm good. Been a bit of a week, but uh, you know what? It's Friday, and so. So we're I happy. I got I got two days where I can go home, sleep till noon, and not really worry about uh, not really worry about much except uh, you know like where my morning bagel is going to come from. So. <laughs> and getting ready for the holidays too, right? Exactly. You know what? And I decorated my tree last night. I spent uh, my wife and I spent about two and a half hours festooning the tree with every manner of decorations. I had my Frank Sinatra music on in the background, Aww. and then. Then I finished everything by, yes, taking a photograph of my two dogs posed very carefully in front of the tree, which I will now be uh, putting on my desktop here at work because I am that guy. So there you go. Well, I've actually been so busy I haven't even gotten a tree, so that's pretty sad. I'm just (laughs) saying, you know, there's certain things that one must do regardless of circumstance, and uh, I cannot decorate. I cannot not decorate for Christmas. Um, So, And I will uh, say that I I was in line at the supermarket last night buying something or other, and I saw the Inquirer, but I know that now it's Friday, so the new issue is already out. So I have to plead a little bit of, uh, of ignorance here in terms of what you guys are talking about. So what's the breaking stuff at the Inquirer that, uh, that we need to know about, Dorothy? Well, our cover this week is Martha Stewart's Dark Secrets Exposed, her family's tell-all book. You know, everyone loves Martha Stewart, uh, people that are into crafts and, you know, cooking and all those sorts of things. Um, but apparently she has this kind of dark side to no. her. I can't believe what I'm hearing. (laughs) That we're now going to be finding out a lot more about. Uh, The book is going to be exposing intimate details of her boozing, eating, and crying binges. It'll name the stars she hates and reveal what really happened to her in prison. Wow. This this has gone all kinds of different directions. First of all, I shouldn't have laughed when you said uh, boozing, (laughs) eating, and crying binges. There's just something about that combination of words that's just funny. I just don't know why. (laughs) Especially Martha Stewart, because Martha Stewart is, she's so prim and proper and composed and put together, and she's obviously every single uh, hair and button and thread and every single, single thing she does about her appearance is so carefully constructed and and organized and orchestrated and just the idea of Martha Stewart sort of like because I'm picturing her just in like bunny slippers and like a bad Mrs. Roper house dress and like a big bottle of old crow and just kind of I don't know I just I just want some fish sticks and then just sort of and then kind of falling through a window so I don't know why the pastry dough won't rise. I don't think exactly. <laughs> Stupid unleavened pastries! You know, and then just smashing the oven door. And then just deciding, screw she's just going to go to Applebee's. <laughs> All right, well, that's wonderful. All right, what else is, uh, what else is happening in the world of uh, scandal, gossip, and celebrity? Well, we also have this really interesting story about this love triangle. Well, actually, it's more of a love square, in a way, about Shania Twain. Now, I don't know if you remember, but Shania Twain's husband left her for a woman that Shania knew. 
and the woman was married. So, see, and this is Robert John Mutt Lang, the record producer. Right, exactly. Uh, okay. And he left her, like, who would ever leave Shania Twain, but okay. He left her for this woman who was married to a man. They were, they were friends with, with both of these people. Mm-hmm. All four of them were the best of friends. And now Shania is running around with the husband. This is we were this, what were we talking about this yesterday. We had some story about this yesterday about some couple where it's like they ended up swapping and not in like the Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice kind of way, but like in the weird like divorce and then I'll show you I'll marry her kind of a way. Right, right. Um, and the, the the thing is, we actually spoke directly to Mutt Lang, and he said. I had no idea at all about, you know, kind of this new love affair that's right, happening. Right. Um, but then he kind of gave his blessing. It, I would, he said, I wouldn't mind if it was the case they were dating. Not at all. Well, all right. Well, I guess that, I mean, it, it, maybe it's a happy ending after all. Who knows? I, I always assume that, uh, that you know, anytime you see a celebrity couple like that, I always, and I, specific examples, I remember when, uh, I guess it was Heather Locklear, who was, when she got divorced from Tommy Lee, she was screaming about the fact that Tommy Lee had cheated on her, you know, and I mean, that was like in kind of 1988 or 89 or something when he was the biggest band in the world and he's the drummer for Motley Crue, and I always assume that celebrity couples, when they get together, that at some point, one of the people in the, in the couple, probably the guy, sits down and goes, look, baby, it's like this, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to hump other people now and again, and I... <laughs> Look, you don't have to like it, but I look. I'll get a hotel room or something. It's not going to be here. So you know, with you know, Shania Twain and Mutt Lang, and Mutt Lang's not a celebrity as such, but he's obviously a very rich and powerful record producer. You got to figure at some point it's it's just sort of anticipated, like it's just known. You got to figure that it, like the law the law of averages dictates that it will happen at some point. How broken up about it can you really be? Right. It, it definitely seems like that's a trend in Hollywood yeah. for sure. All right. Well, as always, we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Have a fantastic weekend. We hope to talk to you soon. Dorothy Carcassari, thank you. You too. Thanks, guys. All right, there you go. Dorothy Carcassari, ladies and gentlemen. All right, then. Oh, for the love of God. All right, what time is it? All right, well, let's do a couple stories. We'll do a few more calls. We'll take a break. We got uh, Nicole Arcade coming in, Aaron Duran coming in. Seems like I had something else that I was talking about just moments ago that we were going to do. Oh, we got to uh, talk to Richie Bristol. We got the uh, KUFO Rockathon is happening today as well. And so what is the deal? So Richie needs his armpits shaved. Yes, for tomorrow. But he's he's too nervous to do it himself, so he's asking you to do it. You're not going to. So they're having you know their charity thing for Rockathon right. today. And Big Jim volunteered that if uh, somebody would pitch in 50 bucks toward uh, Rockathon, which I don't know exactly what... What is that, is that they're raising money for? Uh, it's the Perry Center for Children, where they deal with uh, children of whatever age who have uh, have emotional uh, issues. Let's see, it's money for children. It really is for the children. And so, uh, Big Jim said that if uh, somebody, children. yes, if somebody donated uh, fifty dollars, then he would come in here and shave Richie's armpits for him. But I don't understand. But it, how is that? But we're we're on the losing end of everything. Then that's like a win win lose. Because then I have to be. Because the whole thing is, I didn't want to be. It's not about us. It's about the children. <laughs> Indeed, I'm not Sarah. Being so Indeed, so this is like a story problem. Richie and has two arms. And Aaron in here, and he has a freakish um, you know, fear of hair. Oh, dude, I forgot about that. That Aaron's got a whole hair phobia, yeah. like whatever the hell. So, um, 
I don't know what I've just been handed. Oh, is this the is this the KUFO? All right. So uh, let's uh, do this. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't f with me, Reynolds. Hello, how are you? Today? Hi, I'm great. Thanks. Uh, so a little bit of a crazy day, uh, not only on this station and the show, but everywhere because a lot of people in the building and so forth. And it's pandemonium out there. Long week and whatever. So you guys are doing the KUFO Rockathon today, a benefit for the Perry Center for Children. Correct. And uh, before we go any further, uh, the number for that is five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Uh, 503-228-4101 or 800-344-KUFO. Uh, and we talked yesterday about a bunch of the stuff you got to, uh, you, you have the Metallica, a guitar signed by Metallica, uh, a thing where you get to hang out with Storm Large. You can also donate to pick a song for the station to play, all kinds of stuff. Exactly. And we're getting a lot of interesting song requests, as you can imagine. We've played, uh, uh, a song from West Side Story today. I heard that it was, was that when you were jet. Yeah. 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 That was fantastic. Um, and, you know, so I came in to find out what songs you guys are going to play. Well, After you get off at three. We've given this a lot of thought, actually, because last year we played uh, Vodka in Heaven by Nickel Arcade, who are actually going to be here today, uh, coincidentally enough. Uh, and so Sarah and I have sort of been kicking this around, and we were trying to figure, well... Because we, we like a lot of local bands, but we couldn't really pick one in front of the like all the others. So we couldn't quite... I, and I was thinking, well, do we want to do something that is just a song we like, or do we want to do something that has some significance or some meaning? So we are splitting the difference here. Okay. So we're going to be playing uh, two songs. And so uh, the first song, uh, Sarah, do you want to tell the first song? Yes, is the Rick one and I, it's a song that we both dearly love, so uh, we picked out for the first one, Pulp, Common People. Okay. Which is just uh, an unbelievable it's most, song. Yeah it's, yeah, it's an amazing song. Really, it's just one of the most towering achievements in, in pop music of the, last, of the last 25 years. It's just a Well, it's we have it. Unbelievable it's ready to song. go. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be the afternoon. Okay, yeah, sometime uh, some after point. three. Yeah, because I think, you know, when, once we're off the year, so during the Court and Fat Boy show, at some point today, uh, Common People by Pulp, and then, and I kind of agonized about this one for a while, and Sarah and I were kind of talking about it, going back and forth about what might work, and um, uh, as you know, you know, one of the one of the things uh, that happened uh, this week early on is uh, our good friend Tim Riley, uh, his last day with the program, uh, at least uh, at this point in time, was Monday. Was that just this week? It doesn't it seem like it was about a year ago. Wow. It does not seem like the same week. I know. I, I have to tell you, and just not to not to kind of dive back into the sort of darkness of earlier on in the week, but I, you know, Monday, and as we without getting too into it, I mean, Monday was not just here. There were you know other other losses, as they say, and it's been it's been a tough year for a lot of folks. But at the end of Monday, I think it was. It might have even been Tuesday morning. I was actually in talking to somebody rather than the other room. And I just said, I said, good God almighty. I said, is it true that it's only Monday? Is that even possible? Yeah. Because it just felt like it had just, just been forever. But um, so earlier this week, uh, Tim Riley uh, uh, left the program for the time being, at least. And so we are filling in for the laid off Tim Riley with a series of uh, other laid off Portland media professionals today, um, Don Taylor. But we wanted to play something for Tim. And we we kind of pondered it and we, we mused and we ruminated and we uh, speculated and I finally settled on uh, a Frank Sinatra song. Perfect. And then I was trying to figure out what Frank Sinatra song do you play for Tim Riley? I mean, what song? And I thought, well, is the and all of them seem to have, all of them seem to have selling points, but all of them also seem to have like just sort of one unbelievably dark lyric that took it <laughs> off the list. Because people said, well, what about my way? Right. And my way is a great song, except that it has that little, you know, the, the first line is something about and the curtain comes down, <laughs> you know, and, and then somebody <laughs> said, uh, what about that's life? Because, you know, certainly sure. we've been saying that a lot this week. But I think I think That's Life ends with the line, I think the final lyric in the song That's Life by Frank Sinatra is, in fact, but if nothing's shaken by this here, by come this here July, 
I'm going to lay myself down in a big ball and die. And, okay, that's that just... Yeah. And I thought that... That seems a shade too bleak. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so we're going to have uh, KUFO this afternoon for Tim Riley play the Frank Sinatra song, I've Got the World on a String. There you go. Which is really just an unbelievably great and happy song, and Tim is a big Sinatra fan. And yeah. every year uh, for our show, he would put together a Frank Sinatra Christmas, and so he, he's very, and Tim's head, it is always 1954. So uh, anyway, so that's going to be uh, the second Pulp, Common People, and Frank Sinatra, I've Got the World on a String. You should pick, uh, you should pick up line one when Susan's in here. Uh, uh oh. Let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi. Um, I got $75 on for Rick to shave Ricky's armpit, and I'm sure everyone else will jump on board and raise quite a bit of money. I don't understand. What's happening here? He just said that he would pay $75 to have what? you shave Ricky's I thought this was all settled. I thought Big Jim was doing no, it. No, but, I mean, that's for $50, but for $75 to have you do it? Is this more of this helping the children country? thing that, that I then oh. can't say no to? <laughs> so, I, oh, and it's, but we should say, I mean, at the outset, that at least whoever ends up having to do this, it's not like blade and cream shaving. At least it's like the Norelco, like the you know electric kind or whatever. So true. So this is so you. What is it? You called KUFO, or you were? In, is this your bid right now, sir? My, my bid's right now, and I'm sure everyone else can jump on board. We can raise a lot of money. Well, thanks so much. So what is the deal? That the 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 whoever bids the most, they get to pick who shaves Richie's armpit or whatever. Is that what we're saying here? I well, so yes, this is, you're the maven of this whole thing. Well, yes, and this I is, didn't really have. I didn't really picture it to be an auction. I thought it was kind of like someone plunked down the money and then we'll get to shaving. I just I don't know how it works. I mean, yeah, that is how it would work. I mean, we would take somebody's credit card number, preferably well, not yours, Rick. Yes. Well, <laughs> you're paying for some songs. You're not paying to shave, Richie. Uh, <laughs> as it were. So if this gentleman, what was your name, sir? Michael. Michael. Uh, and you're ready to plunk down your credit card for this? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, do you want um, to? Uh, do, should we? I mean, do you want to just take it right now? How do well, you not on the air. Hold on. No, but please. I mean, yes. in, in other words, you're gonna. Yeah, you're, we we could do that, uh, but I, then you have to come through with the shaving, I guess. Hooray! Yeah, I know. It's good to be you. And we'll never let it. And we'll get it videotaped and everything for everyone's viewing pleasure. Great. Thank you. I that makes that, that makes. Of course. Oh, yes. Richie will have one arm in the air and the other arm will be holding the video camera. All right. Well, never let it be said that Rick Emerson is not a team player. Everyone must row in the same direction. Oh, okay. Richie. He oh. wouldn't even. Five seconds later, he's in the studio with a camera. With a tripod. Oh, oh Jesus. man. I mean, a camera tripod. Um. All right. Well. Okay. Here's the deal, sir. I'm going to put you on hold. I guess we'll talk to him in the other room. Yeah, we'll take his info. All right, Michael. Well, thank you for uh, supporting the Rockathon and children oh. and stuff. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, hold on a second. I'm sorry. There's Michael. Wow. All right. Wow, indeed. Well, all right. Uh, well, so uh, it's all for the kids. Do we want to quickly list a couple of the other things that uh, the people can, uh, you know, that you guys have got there? People can. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, we still have uh, that Metallica guitar will be up uh, for auction all day, and actually the the auction goes till midnight tonight. So I would presume that in the eleven o'clock hour tonight, the bidding will get really hot and heavy right. for that. And I mean, I think it's already up to seven hundred fifty bucks. So. Um, and I, I presume it will go quite a bit absolutely, higher. Absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah, we've got, oh, uh, the Bruce Campbell record your outgoing voicemail. That's a cool thing. How's that one doing? Well, we haven't started that one yet. That will be happening sometime between 3 and 7. So you're going to roll these out as the day goes Yeah, on. we have, a, and, you know, KUFO.com has photos, the full schedule, the phone numbers, all the info you could possibly want. So uh, go there if you're uh, if you're questioning or in doubt about any of it. Excellent. And so thank you for letting us uh, come on. Not in. at all. Okay. Um, KUFO.com has all the details for the KUFO Rockathon. Go until midnight tonight to benefit the Perry Center for Children. And uh, if you are uh, a Court and Fatboy fan, if you're going to be listening to those guys this afternoon, 
you'll hear Common People by Pulp and Frank Sinatra's I've Got the World on a String uh, from Sarah and myself. Uh, uh, perhaps we can even entice you to come across the hall and, uh, you know, give a little shout out yourself. Rick Emerson does whatever is needed. I know. All right. I'm uh, Including shaving Richie's armpits. I'm sort of like a multi-tool. Yeah. No, you are. You are. And that's what we love about you, Rick. All right. So thank you. Susan Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Back after this, we've got Nickel Arcade. We're going to come into the studio. Aaron Duran. More from Don Taylor. Your phone calls and all that. It is Friday. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Valley of the Dolls in here, man. All right. The energy outside in that hallway and the, and the sheer volume of everyone else in that hallway is, hallway is crazy. Let me just tell you, so God love everybody uh, that we work with, uh, those who are here and those who are not. But there are certain days uh, where Sarah and I really honestly, it's like we have to just bolt the door to the studio just so we can get about 30 seconds of breathing time oh, where we're not surrounded by insanity. I think you need that more than I do because I love it. I love chaos. Well, so do I. I, I love it when it's like all this energy and everyone's just crazy and you don't really know what's happening next. I think I do most of the time, and I think I love chaos on the show sometimes. Uh, but, but I think every now and again, you just want to get about 30 seconds just so you can collect your thoughts. And um, so during this last break, not to overshare, but during this last break, I'm like, you know, I went to use the men's room. And, you know, one thinks you go to the, use the men's room and, like, an ancillary benefit to going to the bathroom is that, like, you're going to get a couple a couple seconds just to think through the rest of the day. Like, okay, so we're going to come back. we got Nickel Arcade. We're going to do a, bring Aaron in, some more stuff with Don Taylor. And, okay, then we got to uh, remember to talk about the Rockathon. i got to go on Court and Fatboy Show. Okay, great. You know, and you're going to get to put your thoughts in some, some kind of linear progression. So just now I leave, I go into the men's room, and it's like I'm not in the, I'm not in the men's room, like, four seconds and like a sales guy comes in who somehow got off his leash and got down here. Sales guy comes into the bathroom like, "Hey man, what's up? You gonna you gonna what are you gonna do this weekend? You gonna uh, you gonna go out drinking?" And I'm like, "I'm just trying to whiz. Will you leave me alone?" So, all right. In just a moment, Nickel Arcade will join us in the studio. We will uh, hear a couple of songs from those guys. We'll be rejoined by Don Taylor, uh, who is filling in for the laid off Tim Riley this week. Don't forget next week. A whole passel of laid-off media folks. Uh, some names you might recognize, some voices you might recognize, maybe both, maybe neither. Uh, but we are doing... Uh, we have some interesting ones, too, coming up next week. This is from all facets of media. And, I mean, in this week alone, we had, I mean, Byron from the Willamette, Don, who was from the Tribune. We had uh, a Tom Parker, who was from any number of uh, Portland radio stations. Uh, next week, we have a couple radio people, I think one print person, and we may or may not be uh, having somebody with some TV experience on next week as well. So that remains to be seen. But for the remainder of the year, each day, we will have a laid-off Portland media professional filling in for the laid-off Portland media professional, uh, Tim Riley, who will be uh, appearing, by the way, tomorrow night at Richie Bristol's drag show 
at North Bank. A few tickets still left for that. Uh, taboo uh, Adult Video, TabooVideo.com. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Richie, can we bring uh, Nickel Arcade into the studio? That would be fantastic. Um, in the meantime, let's get a couple of these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, happy holidays, everybody. Hello, sir. Hello. Hey, back in, uh, let's see, it was Christmas Eve, 1977. I was driving cab in Eugene while I was going to college. Mm-hmm. And uh, an individual decided to end it all and landed face first on the hood of my cab. Oh. Where were you parked or were you driving? I was parked, actually. I was picking up a fare, and I had gotten out to open the door for this elderly woman. Mm-hmm. As I opened the door, this guy did the face plant into my windshield. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't <clears throat> finish the job. Oh, all right. Well, really, my day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like Krusty always says, Ho, 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 you bastards. Right. But, you Thank know, you. Bye. What is wrong with that person? <clears throat> Full moon. Yeah. All right. Uh, for the love of God. Oh, guess who? Guess who else just showed up? Richie, Richie's on the screen typing me, me, me. A guy from Arizona just showed up. Drove all the way from Arizona to see Richie's drag show. Now he's here. Well, maybe we'll spare a couple minutes for him uh, before the program is over. Richie, will you let the Frank from Arizona know that? Because he can't, a guy can't drive all the way from Arizona to, to like see Richie's drag show and then have it. We're too busy, Frank. I'm sorry. Maybe next time. So, all right, we'll try to set aside a couple of moments for that. Um, let me read this email, then uh, we'll uh, talk to the fun young fellows in Nickel Arcade. This says, Rick, about your penis watch. I manage the Hollywood liquor store, and we have your show on every day. Thank you, sir. <laughs> The funny thing about the penis watch is that it only comes on when there's an elderly lady or a child in the store. Great timing. David, love the show. All right, well, thank you. Well, to David and to uh, everybody else at the Hollywood Liquor Store, thank you for listening. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friends in Nickel Arcade, Peter and Eugene. Hello. How are you? How are you all? Hey, doing well. All right. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming in today. I know it's a, it's a bit of a uh, it's a little bit of a crazy week. So, um be- now oh, there's that there's that phantom hum in the microphone again. You know what? You're gonna have to live with it. All right, so I think it's me. All right, and it's just my presence. And do me a favor, Peter. If you'll get a little closer up on your mic there, if you get off to the side, that your mic kind of loses your voice. Okay. All right, there we go. And All where right. are you? So that was actually going to be the third introduction <laughs> here. So. I am uh, Peter's younger brother, you're, really. You're going to have to kind of hold on <gasps> oh, to that mic. Oh, okay. I think we're friends on the Mispace. We are friends on the Mispace. Okay. All right. So we, uh, obviously, we've been, uh, you know, the Nickel Arcade, you guys have been friends of the show for a long time, and you do the uh, Britney Watch uh, theme, Vodka in Heaven, and you've been on the show a few different times to perform, and this is, and, and, and some of the details on this, it's, you know, uh, I'm going to leave to you because, uh, you know, because you will know about it better than I, but I know there's a big benefit show coming up Sunday, and a, my new vice is actually going to be there. Is that uh, the case? I think, didn't they, did they back out? Oh. I, I don't want to say well, that they awful. don't care about children. I don't want to, I don't want to, I know. I don't want to go on the record and say that, um, that my new vice doesn't care about strife and, about you know, children people. in Africa. Yeah, so. but. Seriously, but, I saw Smiley last night, who's in that band, and I'm like, oh, I'm excited to see all you guys play yeah, not so much. I was very disappointed. Yeah. In my, my my guess is that they've got something very very important to do. Um, besides, safe you know, besides safe lives, um, do the Majesty of Rock. No big deal. Is that bacon? <laughs> right here. I it's the answer to that question is always yes in the studio. Anytime you ask if anything in the studio is bacon, it Where? probably is. Where are you looking? 
<laughs> I don't see what you're... Oh, on the microphone. There, yes. There. No. Okay. That's from my birthday when they covered the studio in bacon, uh, yeah, in bacon decorations. Everywhere. Oh, yeah, there's so. one right there, too. Uh, you don't even go to my office. My office is like one big... If you look at my desk right now, I've got... Uh, bacon band-aids, bacon dental floss, bacon, bacon mints, gum. bacon gum, bacon toothpicks. Bacon toothpicks. Uh, I've got like a a piece of bacon that was put in a lucite block that is my nameplate. Bacon a's, bacon salt. I'm I'm really glad that we went from starving children in Africa to bacon. <laughs> well, no, I mean, what you know, what what better symbol of the inequality in this world in terms of access to food and specifically bacon? I mean, really, the, I guess that brings the point into stark relief. Here in America, we have so much, and really, and so for the price of a cup of coffee, exa- for the price of a pound of bacon, you can. So, I mean, really, uh, how how can we not help? My new vice. So, in any event, uh, well, so let's before we do anything else, so let's talk a little bit about this. And I know uh, Willie, you can uh, speak to some of the details. Let's uh, just, uh, if you want to, kind of give us the bullet points of what this is for, and then the details of the show, so people can go check it out. All right. Well, the uh, the concert is a it's a benefit concert for the Invisible Children, uh, which is just this organization um, to help. Uh, re- really long story short, it's it it's to help uh, kids out in Africa that were affected by the war, uh, specifically in Uganda. It was it was a wizard war, um, and the children got cast spells cast on them, um, and you can't see them. It's an epidemic because the, the biggest the biggest thing is you don't know where they are. I mean, there could be invisible children here right now, hungry. You're not allowed to make fun of my new vice for the next five minutes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no. uh, is so? Is there now? Before we do anything else, is there a website for this where people can find out more, or is it? Uh, I mean, if they go, to, if people it's go to the in, show, invisiblechildren.com. Yeah. All right. So it's invisiblechildren.com, and it is, and and all, anyone, and all kidding aside, I mean, it's it is that it. It is uh, sort of the militaristic uh, equivalent of a really bad divorce, uh, you know, where the mom and dad slug it out, and then dad goes off to live with his mistress, and mom goes off to bang the tennis pro, and meanwhile the kids are at home uh, with, like, years of therapy and whatever in their future. Same thing with war, where started by adults, uh, and, uh, you know, and then always affected by it are people who didn't start it and had nothing to do with it. So, InvisibleChildren.com is the website. Yeah, and and seriously, like... Um, what he's talking about is, you know, this war. For, for the most part, the actual violence from the war is over. But I mean, you have you have war where you know kids that are 12 and 13 years old are being you know killed in front of their parents. Um, you know, all, all the sexual abuse, you know, sexual slave trade, um, being being drafted into the army to kill family members at ages 12 and 13. It's really you know, you joke around about it, but it's it's really really awful what's going on over there. Um, well, it's less children being murdered in front of their families, <clears throat> but the parents being murdered in front of the children, and then yeah. being drafted into the war to become, like, uh, children soldiers, child soldiers, and, and having to, you know, fight and, you know, just to survive. It really is just the most pick-me-up Friday we've ever had on this program. You know what? On another note, can I just ask, is that the tattoo from uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete? Yes, it is. Oh, my God. I don't even Do you know what we're talking show? about anymore. No. On Nickelodeon, no like... It was ago. in the early 90s. Yeah. There's a show called Pete and Pete, uh, and there's a little, little, there are two brothers there each named Pete, and uh, the younger brother was like 10 years old, and he had this tattoo, this pinup girl on his arm, whose name was Petunia, uh, for no readily apparent reason. He's like 10, and he has this tattoo, and uh, so I got That it. is amazing, because I thought that that would be too obscure. I'm like, no way that can be. And so you actually have a tattoo on your arm that is the same tattoo had by a fictional character on a show that was on in the 90s. That has my same name. name. That is pretty fantastic, and that's right what? next to the tattoo of Raymond Burr as Perry Mason, yeah, which is uh, which is righteous. That's so, bad. will you guys, uh, you, uh, Eugene, and will we do me a favor and swap mics? There, because when we when you guys go to play, we're gonna have to dro- we're gonna drop out that middle mic because it's got a hum okay. on it. So, all right. Uh, so, what time does the show start, and where can people find out more? 
Uh, the show starts, the doors open at 6, and the first band plays at 6.30, and it's at the Hawthorne Theater. All right. 39th and Hawthorne in Southeast. All right. And on December 14th. So that is this coming Sunday at the Hawthorne Theater, and I imagine uh, the details on that are at uh, myspace.com slash Nickel Arcade Sucks. Nickel Arcade Sucks, yeah. There's flyers everywhere. Um, I, I don't know. We're pretty much a big deal. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, show starts at 6, like I said. Or, doors are at 6, show is 6.30. Uh, it's like 10 bucks. Uh, like seriously, pretty much every, every single cent of profit uh, goes to a uh, a charter school in Uganda that you know getting kids you know fresh water, like food to eat, uh, like books. It's a, it's a really it's a really great charity. They've done a lot of great work, and uh, all the profits are going to that. So. so that's coming up Sunday night at the Hawthorne Theater, uh, MySpace.com/slash Nickel Arcade Sucks. So let's go ahead and drop that middle mic out there. You know, and uh, I want to do guitars. Or unless you're going to be, or are you going to be? What do we need all three mics? Uh, no, we not. But the problem with that mic is it's overdriving. That's why it's pleasant. Yeah. It's, all right. Well, are you going to be doing anything? Yeah, we're, we've no. got some. Okay. All right. Okay. Then I'm so we're going to go ahead and drop it down, and then um, we will uh, now have, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the swinging sounds of Nickel Arcade. So let's see. Um, can you get the guitars okay? Sarah, Sarah will go ahead, and uh, she'll kind of man the, uh, man the mics here. All right. Uh, this song is called uh, At the Bottom of Everything. Like at the very gray bottom. What are you standing on? 
What are you standing in? Yeah, like, what are you standing on? I mean, if you're at the bottom, what's below you? I mean, what's supporting the ground if you're at the bottom of everything? I don't really like this philosophical stuff. Yeah, not for me. I guess that makes sense. But the one thing I do know, when you down there, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. We're going to see it. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, Nickel Arcade. Well done. Thank you. All right. You're a crafty bunch, you kids. You really are. So the uh, so, so what I mean this is a big broad question. What do you guys been uh, what do you guys been up to lately? How does it I don't know I don't know what it's like my my kind of fleeting experience with with sort of uh, spending any amount of time in a band was so long ago that I have no notion of what it's even like to be in a band. In 2008, I mean, and not just you know all the stuff people talk about, like the the media is so fractured and whatever, but it's just that people, in terms of money, in terms of attention, in terms of all that, it, is it, it seems like it must just be really uh, you must have to develop a whole new set of skills to try to get traction as a band. So you know, so as guys who are out there trying to trying to you know make it happen and get the rubber to meet the road and all that stuff, what is I mean, what is it what is it like? I don't know. I think I think the biggest thing is just that um. I don't know, kind of hearing you guys in the past talk about radio, I think it's kind of similar in that you just have to get used to the fact that you're going to be, you know, kicked in the crotch. I mean, it just, you know, the, the thing is, is like, I don't know, you have to be willing to be told no and be told that you suck and be told all these horrible things enough times that either, you know, you do it long enough that you start not sucking if you did suck and you right. feel a little bit better. Right. Or, you know, you just, until the right people hear you. I mean, you know, it's... As as much as it's complicated, it's really pretty simple. I mean, you know, in in theory, it's just I don't know. Um, God, either that or accept the fact that you've missed out on your college years. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> or accept the fact that grandma's not paying for tuition anymore. Uh, and there's a Nick Hornby book called A Long Way Down, which I don't I don't really care for all that much. But there is there's a Nick Hornby books. Even a bad Nick Hornby book is usually readable because it's got some great passages or moments or sections or little speeches that you remember. And at the end of this book, a long way down, there's a guy who was in a band and they had some. They they were kind of the band that had a lot of real big local success in their scene. You know, they they were the huge band in that town scene, and they had the big final going away farewell concert. And it was a huge you know deal, and everybody still talks about the band. But the guy kind of, the guy is kind of always thinking about trying to put it back together. He's like, oh, we should put the band back together. And there's another guy who's saying, well, you know, that was just that scene in that town at that time and, you know, and whatever. But the guy says this really great thing. He says, um, he says for, how does he put it? He says, for a lot of guys with no money, being in a band is like your college years. Yeah. It's like being in a band and touring on some limited level is like going to college for guys who maybe don't have the money to go to college, where it's a good time and it's fun and it's sort of hard, but it's kind of irresponsible and it's a lot of work, but at the same time you sleep till noon and you're drunk a lot. And then at the end of however long, you know, you got to figure out, like, am I going to be able to use this or or is this going to be a thing that I did that now I go in kind of a different direction of my life? So it's... No, I think, I think definitely we can, we can kind of speak to that. I mean, you know, like when, when we go on tour, you know... <laughs> 
And there's sometimes we've been to a bunch of times we have, you know, more fan base there than we do in Portland. You know, we'll yeah. show up and we can pack a place. Right. And then the next night we're playing, at, you know, uh, Kiwanis Club to two people. And, you know, it just it, it happens. You know, I think I think the big thing is you just really have to focus on the the, the small victories. You know, it's if you're gonna if you're gonna deal with a big I don't know we like to think of it as like a big there's a big slab of granite and like if you're gonna make a statue out of it. It's not going to happen with dynamite. It's not going to happen in big, huge bounds. It's just every single day, you know, ding, 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 ding. Just, you know, you know, when we kind of jokingly say is, you know, what'd you do today to make your band the biggest band right, on the planet? Right, and right. it's, you know, uh, you know, we joke around with it, but, like, it's all those little things. It's that one conversation. It's that one extra show. I, I, I will actually say, we'll hear, uh, we'll hear another song here, and then we'll take a break. Come back with Aaron Duran and John Taylor. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this band, uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And, and, they, and they, you know, the guys always on tour. They're always putting out, you know, they got a new record every eight months, and they got, you all of it. But they came to Portland, not this last show, but I think two shows back. And I think they were at the Crystal and, or maybe at the Roseland or someplace. And, you, know, was, you know, several hundred people. It was a big show. But I know the night before they were here, they were in Spokane, and they literally played to 23 people. And, yeah. you know, and they played for two and a half hours. So, I mean, you got to, you know, so that's just, I guess, what you got to do. All right. The show is this coming Sunday at the Hawthorne Theater. Uh, you can find out more at myspace.com slash Nickel Arcade Sucks. The band's playing. Star Party. Uh, I guess my new vice was playing, but... Well, who is it, Willie? Uh, now it, it's Star Party, uh, a band called Southern Bell. Uh, the filler for uh, My New Vice is a band called Mind Pollution, Ooh. Uh, Man Without Wax, and Nickel Arcade. Uh. Man Without Wax is a good band. Uh, they're uh, actually on Eyeball Records, had like uh, Thursday and My Chemical Romance and stuff. Uh, so they're, they're our buddies, they're from Seattle. But um, So that's coming up this Sunday at the Hawthorne Theater. Yeah. So find out more at myspace.com slash Nickel Arcade Sucks. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time on the Rick Emerson Show, Nickel Arcade. All right, really quick, we're just saying... Uh, this is actually a brand brand new song. Um, it's never been played before, ever, uh, and didn't have a name. So, uh, in light of everything that's happened this week, this song is called uh, "Tim Riley Doesn't Work Here Anymore." <laughs>
gentlemen, Nickel Arcade. All right, well done. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on in. And the show is tonight. Or uh, rather, so, I'm sorry, the show Sunday is night. Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday. I'm sorry about that. The show is Sunday night at the Hollywood Theater. Find out more at myspace.com slash Nickel Arcade Sucks. All right, thank you guys thank so you guys much. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, go see Richie on Sunday, or Saturday, and uh, us on Sunday. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, so today, today Rockathon, tomorrow, Richie, Sunday, Nickel Arcade. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We return with Aaron Duran, Jim Roop, and Don Taylor. After this, the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. It is Friday, unbelievably. The day they said would never come. Friday of the longest week oh, ever. Seriously. Uh, it is uh, 2.07, which means that we're already over three hours into the day's program. It doesn't seem possible. We just sat down. God Almighty. Please don't take this the wrong way. Boy, I'm ready for this week to oh, be over. Boy, am I. You know, we love you all, and we love doing this program, and I mean that with the, as... As I think goes without saying, this week especially, with the utmost seriousness, I say that we love doing this show. Um, I'm going to be really glad uh, when uh, Tom Likas is uh, taking over in about 53 minutes, because you know what? Uh, I'm gonna. We have uh, a lunch. We're gonna. Sarah and I are going to lunch. Um, we're gonna come back, do some other stuff. I'm gonna go home tonight. I'm going to turn off every electronic device I own, except for the ones that I absolutely must keep on. I'm going to bolt the door, and I'm going to speak to no one. Uh, until tomorrow. And you know what? I'm going to sleep till 1 in the afternoon tomorrow. So, all right. Uh, we will uh, be rejoined in a few moments by Aaron Duran and Don Taylor. Plus, we'll talk to some listeners who, I swear to God, have driven here from Arizona to go to Richie's Drag Show. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, hello, Jim Roop. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Are you, very, are you looking forward to the weekend? You know what? I was looking forward to the weekend around Tuesday. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, you and you're probably still all sleep uh, lagged from the or whatever the, the, the deprived uh, from the Golden Globes because you had to get up at like three in the morning or whatever for that and go sit yeah, in a plus, room and listen to things you don't care about. Yeah. Oh Lord. Plus, uh, you know, I've been fighting this cold, so it's uh, you know it's everything I can do to stay walking. <laughs> well, it sounds like you sounds like you're playing through the pain, sir. So, hey, speaking of uh, of walking, I just rub a little dirt on it. That's what I'm saying. You just, you know, you get out there and you just, uh, you know, you spit in the eye of fate. And you get up every day and do what you do. But I, I don't know if I told you this. I don't think you, I think I was talking, I think it was Kastenbaum I was talking about this. So I had this whole saga at my house where I it was decorating uh, for Christmas and it was just one box of decorations I couldn't find. And I'm real anal retentive about stuff. So I was like, I got to find this box of decorations. So I kept going into the basement. And there, there is no real light in our basement as such. We got these weird tiki lights that are kind of strung down there because we're, we're hicks. But like you, like there, but the thing about it is like it's just enough to light it so you don't trip over anything most of the time. Like you can't actually really be searching for anything down there. So I had then I had this like weird Rayovac flashlight that I got at Walgreens for like two ninety nine, and I'm down there and it's kind of flickering and going out and it's kind of got that weird yellowish hue to the light and I can't really see anything. And I'm down there on my knees, kind of looking through boxes for these Christmas ornaments. And to what to my wondering eyes should appear, not the Christmas ornaments, but a whole cache of cold and cough uh, remedies 
from before the state of Oregon made them all illegal. Because now in Oregon, you can't get anything that's got pseudoephedrine in it without, literally without a prescription. You must have a prescription to get, like, pseudoephed. And so, but, but of course, you know, that's the only stuff that works. The only stuff they've left on the shelves now, basically, it's just, it's like sand in a, in a capsule. I mean, it's just crap that does nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's the very definition of placebo medicine at this point. So I found this whole cache of cold remedy stuff that actually has all the good ingredients. So at this point, in a strange way, I'm almost looking forward to getting sick next time. You know what I mean? Because then By I have. Wait, take it and prevent yourself from getting sick. Well, see, there you go. And then, I mean, because the next time I get, you know, cough, cold, sniffle, sneeze, hacking, phlegm, whatever, man, I got the nuclear option standing by. I got half a bottle of NyQuil and 15 Sudafed tablets, and that will cure anything. It's not illegal to be in possession of those. No, 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 because I bought them uh, before they were made illegal. And I do believe even now you can drive to Washington and buy them and bring them back home to Oregon. You just can't actually buy them in Oregon because the man wants you to be ill and sick so that you are <laughs> unable to resist the... Uh, so he control you. Yeah, you're unable to resist the enslavement of your corporate masters. So, or, you know, whatever. Um, well, a couple things. Uh, so we've got two things to talk about. One is, and I don't actually even know if they have you doing any sort of, uh, any sort of uh, follow-up on Betty Page uh, dying, because I know it was in a Los Angeles hospital. Yeah, but, no, they, they didn't put me on that story at all. So it's a, you'll probably, I mean, at some point this weekend, you will probably get the uh, call like, hey, you gotta go, uh, you gotta go look into that because it's one of those things where you kind of knew she was still around and alive, but, it, but you didn't really think about it because she is so much in that one, she's in that bubble of photographs from 1950 to 1957, and you kind of don't think about what was before or after that. But apparently, she uh, spent uh, the remaining uh, months of her life in Los Angeles. I think. This is the thing you should look into, uh, because everybody's going to be doing stories about Betty Page. The angle you should look into is, and Aaron Duran, who, of course, is one of our uh, film critics and in-house geeks, Aaron can speak to this, but I do believe that in the later years of Betty Page's life, uh, our good friend and savior of all mankind, Hugh Hefner, stepped up and was actually paying everything for her, like lock, stock, and barrel. Aaron, is that, uh, do we, uh, is that, is that true? That's the story that, whoa, sorry about that. That's the story that I'd always heard is that Hugh Hefner found out she was kind of down and out and was just furious over it and swore that she would never go without until the end of her day. So he covered everything from then on. So you might look into that. Yeah, I mean, which does sound like the kind of thing that, that Hefner would do. So that, uh, you might uh, examine that as a as a sidebar piece. That'd be great. Oh, all right. Well, what is the just so we can get this other story that I was following it kind of wrapped up. Um, there's just a week full of weird and bad and worse. This plane that you know this horrible plane crash in San Diego where it literally just went like right into a suburb. I mean, it's like one minute the suburb is fine, next minute, hey, there's a jet landing on the house. Right. And you know, it's one of those things where. It's like it comes out of nowhere and you can't prepare for it. Um, so did we ever figure out why it happened? I mean, it's just disconcerting to think a plane well, is going to fall the, out of the sky. The briefing that we got yesterday, uh, and, and the Marines investigation is continuing, but here's what we have been told so far. And this was repeated to us by Duncan Hunter, who's not only the ranking Republican on the Senate Arms uh, uh, Committee, but he's also, that's his district, Duncan Hunter's district. Mm-hmm. Um he said that the pilot did everything right, everything he could do to get that uh, plane under control. He called it a one-in-a-million occurrence mm. for both engines to go out. The pilot got a, uh, uh, an engine fail light uh, in the cockpit, so he, he shut down that engine. Moments later, as he was uh, starting his approach to Miramar, the other engine failed, 
and he did everything he could to try to get to a canyon. He was going to try and ditch it into a canyon, right. but the, the thing just went out of control, so he ejected, and it crashed into two homes. Mm. Um, it also appears, well, there's several things that are going on. First of all, when Miramar was set up, and for years, there was no neighborhood around there. All right, we built around uh, the the whole flight path and everything. I'm not I'm not saying, you know, all I'm saying is there's not normally under a military flight path neighborhood. Which is probably why they built it out there in the first place. Like, well, you know, let's find a place where no one lives. you got to wonder, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then, you know, so everybody's, why didn't the pilot go to uh, North Island or why didn't the pilot go to Camp Pendleton? Well, he would have had to be in the air, even though it's like four miles shorter right. as the crow flies, he would have had to go more miles because he had to approach the landing from the east from a different angle. So he would have ditched anyway in a neighborhood somewhere. Mm. Um, or, you know, who knows what would have happened after that. So he really he had no choice. And what was what was determined so far is that all all protocol was was followed properly. All procedures were followed properly. He did everything he could do. And like I said yesterday, even even the guy whose four family members were killed said, you know, what are you going to do? He moved into this house a month ago, this guy, and his family. And um, it's like, man. Yeah. All right. Well, sometimes you get the feeling the universe is just uh, drunk and not entirely uh, not entirely responsible. Well, we we and we talked about it yesterday. So there's still randomness, randomness and chaos out there, and so stuff kind of just happens. Seriously. You know, there's sometimes seriously things happen for no reason. They just happen, and so you can't. You know, uh, it drives me nuts. People say, "Well, everything happens for a reason." No, it doesn't. Sometimes. Stuff just happens. Things happen because the universe is made of a series of Legos that sometimes fall <laughs> apart. Uh, on that note, uh, do you have uh, because I, you know you're you're a good family man, Jim Rope. Do you have the big? Uh, have you done the big weekend of holiday decorating or Christmas decorating? Oh yeah, I did that already. Yeah. Really? Would you? Did you do the, the whole day doing that. Real tree, artificial tree. Oh, real tree. All right. And you do the uh, two other questions: small lights or big lights on the tree? Uh, both, actually. Really, a mixture of. See, yeah, I thought I put... that was. I thought that was like a watching Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune that you could only do one. You didn't no, do both. No, here's, here's what I do. I, I, on the inside, I shove the little lights in around the trunk. Right. And I put the big lights on the outside. It looks really cool because there's this glow that comes from the center of the tree. I didn't really. Now wait a minute. So hold on. Now this is the sort of thing that guys can are just fascinated by because as much as as much as you always hear that women are the ones with the aesthetic sense or uh, guys decorate Christmas. Yes. Yeah. yeah we, the women sometimes have the sense of style or fashion, and certainly in the Rick Sarah dynamic, that's true. But the guys do have isolated pockets of their lives where they are very appearance oriented and very much into aesthetics and decorating for the holidays is one of those things. But not like in terms of potholders, you know. But I'm talking about like when you're stapling the lights to the outside of the house, like yeah. Clark Griswold style. I did all that. Wait. So you do the thing. This is sort of like a this is like a turducken kind of a thing. So you put small lights around the, the around the trunk of the tree, right. just at the bottom or all the way up all the, the way inside. Up. All the way to the inside. Wow, that's and impressive. Then, How do then, you even do that? And up the the very, oh, it's not easy. It takes all day, man. <laughs> and then and then up through the top, the very top, before you put the we got this little crystal kind of treetop. Right. You shove one of those lights inside that thing so that on the ceiling above it, it it has those prism uh, 
things going on. Seriously, this is like the first guy who who decided to uh, you know to like uh, to, to put cheese inside the pizza crust. I never would have thought about that. And then Aaron, you do the same thing. Yeah, I do the same thing. I use the tiny white lights and I go up the core of the tree. Yeah. So it makes a nice little glow, oh. and then the exterior colored, sometimes big. No, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna go home and do my tree again. I'm gonna go weekend. try the little LED bulbs some one year when I can afford them. No, no, uh, those LEDs. See, I tried that. Are they no good? They're well, they they're they they're like they have like a blue tint to them. Oh well, then screw that. Yeah, exactly. They need to make little mini halogen ones that that, that bright glow. Well, yeah, so they, they, you know, they, you you try those little LED things to save money or to save wattage or whatever the hell with that, man. They that's what I'm crap. saying. See, Christmas is not about saving money, oh, saving yeah, energy, about saving eating money. well. Just that's the like, ones they saw looked cool. But that's like you know what? Here's the thing: cheaping out on your Christmas lights or decorations for your tree is sort of like eating low-cal holiday food. What is the point? Be a man and just eat things that are full of fat. So, uh, it, what's your stance on animatronic Christmas characters? No, see, no, see, here's not the thing. Uh, no, see, I don't mind those reindeer or whatever that look like they're woven out of grape uh, strand or straw oh, or yeah, whatever, yeah. but it's, I, I draw the line when they move, like when the deer looks like it's grazing on the lawn. I don't get that. that, that, that see, we made ours. We have huge, uh, a huge a snowman family that mirrors our family that, that we made out of big sheets of plywood. I cut it out with a jigsaw. My wife painted it. And then we have Santa falling off the roof. Oh, that's nice. fantastic. Um, and we made all that. Nobody, see, that's, that's nobody that else. That reminds me. I have to get in my collectible house because I have to keep building my Christmas town. No, and this... Wow. And so this is... But see, this is... You've just really illustrated an important point here, Jim Roop, that the women in the room don't understand. But you know what? Aaron and I are with you on this. That men have to have standards in terms of Christmas decorations because you know what I don't get? We were talking about this the other day. That the inflatable Christmas junk that people put on their front lawn where, look, it's a big inflatable light-up Santa. That's like the people who get the big plastic wise men that glow from the inside and they're like nine feet tall. I am not with that. you got to make it yourself. Uh, uh, first of all, number one, a monkey could do that. Number two, that's vandalism waiting to happen. That's that's the other thing. Is some guy's going to come by and he's going to spray paint, uh, you know, he's going to spray paint some crude anatomical addition, you know, on, one, on the guy who's holding the myrrh. So. Oh, it's, it's worse when the day I take him down because I wait till January 6th to take him down. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, I have to put him back in a certain way so that I don't have any hassles. The next year, totally. When I want to pull them out, you know. No, I do the same thing, and I got to wrap the lights in a, in a specific way and put them that because otherwise, it's like you're just planting the seeds for angry, drunken rage the next Christmas. It's, and it already takes all day, so why do that? Right, that's you the know? whole thing. So you're saving, you know, that really is a stitch in time saves Daddy punching his hand through that's the window. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that note, my friend, have a uh, have a good weekend, and uh, we will talk to you next week, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Can I tell you, even before I asked or opened my mouth, I knew that he'd be with us on the Christmas decorating oh, yeah. thing. And I knew he would be that guy who goes home. He's a Griswold. Buys himself <laughs> a big shelf of alcohol and then blocks out the entire day. He probably sends the kids and his wife to the mall. I can see him with a cigar in his mouth. The totally. Time, can't you? And can't you? Jim, um, the kids and I, we're going to, baby, I'm busy. I'm putting up the lights. You uh, you and the kids, you uh, you go shopping or something. Okay. I got this handled. And, and as he says, like, I got these lights handled, he's bringing up his hand and you hear like a of like a power drill or something as he's installing some, as he's putting surreptitious holes in the baseboard so that there's little tiny theater lights coming out the bottom that are red and green. And I love that Sarah mentioned the cigar because I actually have, I have the decorating cigar. Really? I will be lighting it up tomorrow because tomorrow, Jen knows she's going to leave early like tomorrow morning and not come back to about 3 o'clock because I'm just going to, I'm going to put on my Christmas music mix. I'm going to you know, boil some like I'm gonna yeah make some nice yummy hot cocoa. I'm gonna put the cigar in and I'm gonna decorate. No, that was that was my whole thing. And it's weird. 
You know, I think this really is weird, and I know that we're, we're, we're venturing very dangerously close to, like, you know, women love to shop, but men, they love boobs or whatever, you know. But, but it really is a strange thing when you think about it, because typically speaking, I think, you know, we're painting with a broad brush here, but typically speaking, women have, I think, a greater appreciation of and put more importance on aesthetic and style. Men are all about function, typically. You know, where men go buy the like things. Women are more fashion over function. Well, or or they're, they're even equal sometimes. Whereas men are like, look, it just needs to work. Buy me, the, give me the cheapest one. And like, well, don't you like the one that is uh, sterling? Separate? No, baby, it's just a knife. Just buy me whatever's sharp. And women sort of are, you know, like the sort of appearance of the thing. But there is this weird thing with Christmas decorations, where guys, like you just heard, Rube, who would ever have thought, except for Aaron apparently, <laughs> of doing a whole separate strand inside. The tree around the core. I, I never, never would have occurred. That. No, yeah. but I'm totally going to go home and do it. I got to go home and buy a whole different strand I of think, lights to put on the inside. I, I think when a, you said lights, is that's why men like things that go flash and beep and boop and you know. I have a step ladder that I painted green and I put an angel on top. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. We're done. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> One step finished. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, well, let's do this. Uh, let us bring in Frank and Sarah. Then we'll break. And we'll come back and reset and on the other side. For, we can't forget what else is happening. We've got to bring in Richie Bristol. Then he has to shave his armpits. No, see, but we don't have to do but it. But see, here's the thing: is that somebody paid for it for charity, and yeah. yes, you do. So, and it's got to be done before tomorrow. Well, that is true. All right, Richie, uh, let's bring in bring in Frank and Sarah uh, here on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Don Taylor and Aaron Duran. They're going to talk about uh, they call me Bruce. And The Day the Earth Stood Still, in addition to uh, other fine or not-so-fine films, opening this weekend. All right, so, as you all know, so, Richie Bristol has got coming up tomorrow at uh, North Bank, which I believe is... Hey, Richie, is it the only gay bar or the only drag bar, both, in Vancouver? I believe both. Okay, so it is the only gay-slash-drag social establishment in the fine city of Vancouver, Washington. So, tomorrow, uh, Richie is... As Rochelle Crystal performing this whole drag performance that we've been talking about for what seems like forever, but I guess it's come together really quickly. So it's going to be Richie Bristol as Rochelle Crystal and the Lips Cabaret and his band, Pleasure Vessel. And by the way, if you go to uh, myspace.com slash Rick Emerson today, you're going to see a really disturbing photograph. I don't know if Sarah's seen it or not. Have you seen, have you gone to my Myspace page? Uh, no. But Do I yourself a favor. Uh, so we can all suffer together. Go to uh, my space comments. You're going to see, and I apologize because his name is escaping me. So I apologize for being a jerk in that regard. You go there and you'll see a picture of the guy who was the drummer. Uh, and it looks for all the world like that the photograph was... very slow today. You're, oh, you'll know it when you see it, when it finally loads. You're going to see a photograph that looks for all the world as though it, were, as though it was taken uh, here in this building. He used to be a stripper at Silverado. He used to be a stripper at Silverado. Yeah, that's okay. how nice for him. Uh, I guess that does explain... It's a uh, are the you guy with it? the hat in front of his junk and the yeah and nothing else. So that's the drummer for Pleasure Vessel. Uh, and do, doesn't it look like that was taken here in the hallway? Yeah. Yeah. So that's was him. It? Well, what's the background? Well, it's a bunch of gold and platinum records. Yeah, that sounds like a radio station. So I'm suspecting that photograph was taken here on Sunday uh, when they were here for musicology. So he's the drummer, and then Greg Nibbler, who works at one of our sister stations, is the bass player. He's uh, not topless, but he is shirtless uh, with a little sailor's coat thing over it and then a jaunty hat. Also, there's seven drag queens. Oh, and yes, Richie will be dressed as a woman. Uh, plus, Tim Riley will be there. So 
Who could blame someone for driving from Arizona? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show listeners Sarah and Frank. Hello there. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Thank you for having us. Terrific. Thank you. We uh, we just view this as a pilgrimage, as uh, as kind of a soul's journey. I mean, how could we not? It is really your mecca. Totally. All right. So it is a it is a it is a it is a, it is a hajj with uh, you know with nipple rings. Um, so and so much. More. How, how long did it take you guys? We're from where in Arizona? Uh, we came. Uh, we actually started our our sojourn in Phoenix uh-huh. uh, a couple days ago. Right. Uh, drove out to uh, Bullhead City and then to here. So it, it's been in total uh, about a 26-hour drive. Wow. Oh my God. And so this is. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We, you know, I think it's great, and we're all for people supporting the show and extracurricular activities. But wow, that's a little crazy. So it's a little crazy, but you know, it gave me time to to process the events of earlier in the week. And that's true. It would have yeah. been a nice time. For we have been in the morning. Yeah. And are you? Well, that yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, working working through uh, the, everything that has happened uh, this week has been um, ha- has been a challenge, I think, for everybody. So I guess I guess a 26-hour car ride is a good way to sort of uh, zone out a little bit and let your brain kind of uh, kind of process some totally. stuff. Totally. I mean, it was it was uh, a little little bit pathetic. Uh, my wife and I, with tears in our eyes, in Arizona, listening to. The, the goings on. So, again, it's just our way of just, uh, you know, paying it forward to the Rick Emerson show and, and Richie. And now, were you already planning on coming here for this? Uh, we were, yes. Okay. So this, uh, and first of all, let me say there's nothing pathetic about it. You know what? Uh, the three people he, that were in the studio on Monday, uh, there's only one person who really kept their composure, and that was Tim himself. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, any idea that I'm some sort of like a professional that can keep it together is just, you know, that's certainly not true. So no no shame about it. Um, well, so for, for, for good and bad... I guess the confluence is is just right because Tim Riley will be introducing Richie as Rochelle Crystal, and I think Tim's going to be doing some other introduction and MC stuff tomorrow night. Now there are a few tickets still left, but you gotta you gotta get them like now. At Taboo Adult Video, three different locations. You can find out all the locations at taboovideo.com. Now, have you seen? Have you gotten a little sneak preview? Been able to see Richie doing anything? Did he do his dance for you in the hallway that he seems to Did do? Did he for walk everybody? in his heels for you? He, Ooh, uh, yeah. he showed us the heels. I don't think he wants to give the whole thing away to us yet. And, he did uh, show so, us his toes, though. That's right. Oh, his toe. Have you seen Richie's toes? Yes, I have. Of course you have. There. He came in and showed me first thing this morning. They are very. Young. They're really aggressively pink. They are. His toenails, uh, and I guess his. To- if I'm right about this, I believe Richie's toenails are now painted to match the shade of pink of the butterflies in the base of his clear six-inch stripper heels, if I've got that all right. So awesome. it's going to be quite a uh, quite a night tomorrow, I would think. You know, I, I just want to share that I am just totally impressed with uh, with what Richie is bringing to this thing. It, I, I, think, uh, I think people will just be just blown out by what he's going to bring to the stage tomorrow night. Uh, it is, uh, well, you know, as somebody once said, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And that kind of is our motto as well. So, well, it is so great and weird and wonderful and fantastic that you guys uh, would, would drive up uh, for this. And um, so are you originally from Portland? Are you... All right, so you have you know folks you can see while you're here and 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 uh, and whatnot. So well, I'm sure well we'll see you on Saturday certainly. Absolutely. Uh, so I guess enjoy your night and we'll see you tomorrow. So Frank and Sarah, listeners from Arizona who have driven here for Richie's drag show tomorrow night with uh, MC Tim Riley. Best show ever. Get your tickets at Taboo Video. Thank you, sir. All right, we take a break. Back after this, uh, Aaron Duran, Don Taylor, they return to the show around the corner. Coming up at three, like us, Mike O'Mara show at seven. Don't go anywhere. Chase, but I got a few dollars, I could fight the case. So I pull over to the side of the road, I heard, son, do you know I'm stopping you for? Cause 
Cause I'm young and I'm black Hit my hat real low Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know Am I under arrest or should I guess the up? Well, you was doing 55 Emerson Radio Program. I wonder if he sent a copy to Tipper Gore. There you go. Twisted Sister, O Come All Ye Faithful. From the album, A Twisted Christmas, I believe. Yes. Or is that the Bob Rivers thing? No, Twisted, they're both called that. A Twisted Christmas is the Snyder. Twisted Christmas is the Bob Rivers. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, so all week long, and in fact for the rest of the year, we're going to having a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Uh, Byron Beck, Tom Parker earlier this week, today. Don Taylor, laid off by the Portland Tribune, among other places. Next week, whole pastel of folks uh, locked in. And by the way, just uh, real quickly, if you are a Portland laid-off media professional, and the odds are fairly good that that's the case, or if you know somebody who is, uh, you can go to rickemerson.com to find out more, but just have them send an email to rick at 970.am. Rick at 970.am. And uh, please do me a favor and just uh, only use that email address for that. Everything else should still go to rick at rickemerson.com. Or else I will delete you with extreme prejudice. All right, ladies and gentlemen, still to come today, uh, Kristen Bowie will join us to talk about what's coming up on Musicology. Aaron Geek in the City Duran is here. Don Taylor and you guys are... Uh, film reviewers for Geek in the City and FilmPeopleRadio.com and yes. Film.com, respectively. Yes. Don, we'll start with you because you've done such a fantastic job of filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. Aw, shucks. Um, so you saw uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, the Keanu version, earlier this week. We couldn't really talk about it because it was embargoed. Now it is Friday? Now I can talk I can talk away. About An area man wants to know, what is up with that film? <laughs> um, well, it is, uh, does basically have the bones of the 1951 Robert Wise original. Um, they're, they're, in the original, uh, Klaatu, the uh, alien comes down. He mm-hmm. has a big scary robot named Gort. We don't know why he's here, but it becomes apparent quickly that he's here to basically pass judgment on the human race. And if we pass, we get to live. If not, uh, not so much. Uh, the original was actually a pretty talky movie. A lot of uh, walking around with a kid who was actually the uh, son Bud on uh, Father mm-hmm. Knows Best. Right. Um, and going to the zoo and eating ice cream and learning that humans are actually pretty good. Right. Um, naturally, this for the new version, it's been Hollywooded up. So uh, in, uh, Jennifer Connelly plays the the gal. And it's interesting in this case, in the original, uh, the one was played by Patricia Neal, 
and she was uh, had a, a room for rent that she rented to Klaatu and, did, and eventually found out he was an alien. Here, Jennifer Connelly is actually the hero of the movie. She is in on the action from the very beginning because she's a scientist, and she's brought in as soon as the... Uh, <clears throat> not a spaceship this time, but a giant, weird, glowing, orby, planety kind of thing lands in the middle of Central Park. Um, she comes in and she uh, feels badly for Klaatu. Uh, there's a lot more explanation of the mechanics between why, behind why he looks human, why he actually has a human body, which is interesting. Um, and in this case, the one of the interesting differences I found was that in the original, it was like a current, it was made during the Cold War, and it there was a lot of uh, kind of a subtext that the Red Scare was being stirred up by the press. Here, there's almost like a, a submission of hysteria where the press doesn't really come into this at all. In fact, the uh, the very angry head of the military stuff, played by Kathy Bates, keeps saying, no, we don't want any information to get out. We don't want to cause a panic. So, but of course, she just wants to nuke everything. Sure. Uh, the cool old professor uh, that knows about stuff is here, played by John Cleese, and it's lovely to see him. Is he the one who's, you know, who, is at some point, is he like a gesture at a chalkboard or a PowerPoint display or something to go, what has happened is a wormhole has opened, and <laughs> blah, 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 and he gives like the overly simplistic explanation? Kind of. Actually, what he ends up doing is he basically sets the premise for the thing where he explains to Klaatu that, uh, well, I don't want to give it away, but he, he essentially makes a very compelling argument to Klaatu about why Earth should be given another chance. And it really is a lovely scene. Um, all that said, it is not a terrible movie. I did not hate it. But at the same time, it's actually quite forgettable. Yeah, it's, it's a very standard... Sort of pointless. It, yeah, it's yeah. a very standard Hollywood movie. You know, uh, there's special effects, stuff happens, people run around, eventually right. it ends in a big chase scene. Uh, what's going to happen? Yeah. Is the Earth going to be destroyed? Right. Well, what do you think? Right. So, um, again, I didn't hate it, but uh, I, I don't think people are going to be, like, running out and buying the special edition of this. You give DVD. it a solid uh, meh. I give it a solid, yeah, yeah. okay. Right. So. I the, oh, for the love of, all right, can I, you're, are you wearing a diamond pinky ring? Oh, that's okay. That's great. Right. Right. Anything to quit having him rub his feet on the back of my leg. Cause that's fun. Yeah. Um, all right. So when? So has the guy's credit card cleared? Yeah. yeah. All right. So the guy's credit card cleared. This guy that that offered seventy five dollars if I would shave Richie's underarms. Hi. Oh, he said that plural. I don't know what, you, what you're talking about. All right. Uh, so I guess no, I'll... We can do both of am them. I doing that now? Yeah, yeah we could do that he now. He has to match. I don't have to shave well, your legs or anything that, else, right? You wanted to... Yeah, that's uh, you're talking about, they call me Bruce, but <laughs> can we multitask so I don't have to just sit and think? So there's something to distract me? You bring Aaron in and he talks about nothing. It's like, yeah, you don't mind if we go to the shaving. Ah. <laughs> All right. No, 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 it's fine. I just want something to listen to while I experience the worst four minutes of my life. That's okay. No, I have to be shooting it, so how am I going to be talking? Yeah, so let's talk about the yeah. movie first. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we going to be filming this for the website? Uh, of course they I'm, are. I guess I, no one really told me that. Okay, that's wonderful. So was okay. it good? Yeah. Uh, the movie's called My Name is Bruce. It opens in Portland this weekend, and Bruce Campbell is going to be at a Q&A for the Saturday showings. It's playing at the Fox Tower. Um, is it good? No. I mean... And, yeah, that, and, and that's hard for me to say because I'm, you will not find a bigger Bruce Campbell fan than myself. Uh, the heart, it, all the heart is there. Just the execution, I don't think they pulled it off. The biggest problem I had with my name is Bruce is that Bruce Campbell is not in paper. He's playing himself. He is playing Bruce Campbell. Right. 
But this Bruce Campbell is a drunkard, failed actor, lives in a trailer, divorced, kids hate him. So this is Bruce Campbell playing Bruce Campbell acting like Ash. Oh, I see. So it, right. it just doesn't fit. So it's a little too mean-spirited for me. Um, like I said, like your heart, my, the heart is in the right place. They just don't quite pull it off. All right. So, so uh, an E for effort. Yeah, and like I would love to have somebody drop me an email, like Aaron at GeekInTheCity.com, and tell me that I'm wrong. Because I would, I, you know, maybe somebody has a different view on it, and maybe I'm not getting it. So you think the concept is, is good, it's just that they didn't execute it perhaps as well as... Yeah, I mean, and the acting's a little weak because most of the actors are local, right. you know, actors. The right. effects are a little low because it's a, it is a B movie, and it was funded by, I think, primarily by Dark Horse Entertainment here in, Mil in Portland. Right, right. The so, premise is delightful, but yeah, if you do see the trailer, you can get a little glimpse that... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, like I said, heart's in the right place, they didn't quite... And they're already off. working on a sequel, aren't oh, they? Oh, yeah, no, I think it's going to do well, you know, in terms of its... Because there's not a lot of money went into it. So uh, I you know, and, do well. and Bruce Campbell does have a fan base that'll kind of go see him in Man with the Screaming Brain. All right, well, nobody saw that one. I saw do, that. Well, you're the only one, and they do poke fun at that one, actually. Excellent. Well, Excellent. Uh, so are we doing this now, or are we breaking? Holy mother S. Mrs. Richie just took off his shirt, and he's Ew. wearing a feather boa. Why don't, we, why don't we get our last break out of the way? Why? I don't believe why you had... Hold why? on. Hold on. Every okay. stop. I don't believe why you... Why are you molesting Aaron? Does he need a boa to get his armpit shaved? Hold on, but my... Every chance you get, you touch, like, my ear or the back of my knee. Hold on for a second. I don't really believe that Richie has underarm hair, because look at him. He's completely hairless and smooth. Oh, oh my God. There it is. Yeah, there's <laughs> All right. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, man. All right. Let's take our final break here, and uh, when we come back, I'll shave Richie's underarms. And uh, we'll talk to Kristen Bowie about what's coming up in musicology. Stay there. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. We now enter the most disturbing part of the oh, Rick Emerson man, Show. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> We're in the final segment of today's program, coming in at 3, Tom Likas, Michael Maris Show at 7. Tomorrow, uh, Miles Around Radio with Dennis Pitsenbarger, 9 to 11, soon to be 9 to noon. And, of course, uh, Sunday, Musicology with Kristen Bowie and Adam Thompson, uh, this coming Sunday, 7 to 9 p.m. and so forth. Uh, before we do anything else, uh, we'll kind of do all this again at the end, but we want to thank Don Taylor for coming in today, uh, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. And thank so, you, Don. Again. Um, yeah, again. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so all next week and through the end of the year, we're going to have uh, the laid-off uh, Tim Riley will be uh, filled in for by a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals. So uh, stay tuned for details. we got the whole passel of folks coming your way next week. Um, all right, so we do, we've been talking on and off about the KUFO Rockathon. Which is happening all day until midnight tonight. Uh, benefit for the Perry Center for Children. And somebody, God bless them, uh, called up and offered... Michael. Michael, thanks so much. Thank uh, you, Michael. Extra Christmas card for you, Michael. Offered <laughs> to donate $75 if I would shave Richie's armpits before Richie's drag performance tomorrow at North Bank. And, and you have the most disgusted look on your face I've ever seen. I'm just have. saying. Ever. I was fine until they started putting newspaper down on the floor. Because then I just started thinking about paper training. I don't think too real. I, I don't think we're all breathing in like here. Like, you handled the two-girl, one-cup thing better than this. You handled, you know, my pus in my cheek. You handled that. I didn't handle the this. pus in your cheek. Let's be... All right. Yeah, it, but why you didn't look like you do and now. And here's the other thing. You've got bandages uh, under your arms. What is that about? Are uh, you going to ask? This morning, I used scissors and cut my dingleberries. Your what? Dingleberries? The skin tag dingleberry things? You cut I think, them with scissors? I don't think that word means what you think it means. Oh. You cut your skin off? They, they're dingleberries. They're little berries of dingle. 
That doesn't mean okay. They're gone. They're I don't have them. I don't know what we're talking about. What what? Oh, let's just go. Well, that oh, is, wow. I look like I got bit oh, by wait, a vampire. Wait, wait, was, okay, everyone. See, there's light. Yeah. What is it? Just give me an actual description. What are you talking about under your arm? Okay, you get this little skin, skin tag. tag. It looks like a punching bag. You know one of those speed bags? You, you have a punch? speed bag under your arm. But That's you get a little tiny, like almost like a little flap of extra skin that grows somewhere. It wasn't really tiny, though. They were Usually you <laughs> have a dermatologist remove it. Not a pair of scissors. No. Yes. No. Didn't that hurt? Under the gun. I framed them. <laughs> Didn't it hurt? Uh, yeah, because I had dull scissors. And I, like, pulled the thing. I wish I was dead. And then I went snip, and it didn't snip. All it. right, well, let's get to shaving, because the show's oh, not walking okay. over. Well, there's nothing there, though. So People are gathering That's outside great. to peer in the windows That's now. Good. Uh, great. Look. Good for them. I don't know where they're... Oh, there's the razor. Okay, there's the razor. All right. Should we have some, like, super music? That's the sound of doom right there. All right. Oh, I wish I would have had something. Uh, I can play Twisted oh. Sister again. No, it's, let's not. Let's Do just... First. I don't want to associate Twisted Sister with Richie's armpits and skin tags. Oh, my God. This, this is going to hurt, dude. Oh, you got wait, long wait, hair. You got to do this way. Oh, I have to do the beard trim thing yeah. first. Oh. No, you know what? This is like a morning it show. It looks thing, like huh? you got... Yes, it is. Return. <laughs> if, okay, it wasn't, if it wasn't we'll for the children... Uh, if it wasn't for children... We really, you look like you got bit by a vampire bat under your arms. This is so revolting. Is, is it, it coming off? Well, I got to use the yeah, like the long, the beard trimming part first. Oh, don't touch uh. them. Seriously, if you um, if you start oh. saying brains or anything at oh, any point, I forgot to put deodorant on today. Thanks so much. Oh, that's great. You know, Aaron Duran is actually videotaping oh, this. That's good. Oh, now you're doing the little one. Oh, that tickles. <laughs> Please don't don't laugh. That tickles. Just disturbing. Rick, you're tickling me. Oh. I swear to God, I'll kill you. Oh no. You know, I think you're at some point going to have to use a blade, Richie. I, I don't know that this was, is going to do the job. I was hoping there would be leather well, and a blade. Enough, All right, why don't you go on the other side, Rick, around the other side. Okay. Yeah, Let's get that around. one in the good why light. Why don't you just turn, Richie? I, there we go. Oh, God. There we go. Does that look like I'm in a I'm completely bringing the Roomba in this weekend. Uh, uh, God almighty. <laughs> Fraternity. You're really bad at shaving armpits, Rick. That's well, hard as it may be to believe, I... <laughs> Right. You missed a big patch at the bottom. That pickle. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, this is better than a lap, guys. Seriously, I swear to God, it'll stick this right in your eye. Ew, you had to touch I it. I the other side, though. <laughs> Ow! Shut up. I'm sorry. You're pulling my hair. You know, I swear to God, I will jam this into your mouth. Uh, That's gross. Oh, you're bleeding. Oh, oh my God. Love of God! You're shaving wrong. Shaving? You handed me the razor. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Is that a furry patch that's underneath it? That's cool. <laughs> you know, you got lots of hair all over you, like little tiny hairs. Okay, that I'm just looks like you're we're done. Him. We're done. Done. Oh, yeah. done. Done. Oh, yeah. Oh, now they. Oh, no, no, no. We're calling that good. Okay. What is that? That's $75 worth. The children that's are getting their money. Oh, like I'm breathing in Richie's armpit hair. I want to burn my hands. All right. Burn oh. after shaving. Oh. All right, let's. Yeah, all right, thank you, Richie. For three I think. minutes to work, seventy-five bucks. All right. all right, there you go. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. You're a real pal. That was. I. Uh, you know, I love Richie as much as anyone yeah, else, but I, that was. That was really bad. disturbing. Oh, fortunately, Aaron filmed it all, so that's wonderful. All right, uh, Richie, Richie, do me a favor. And, yeah, all right. Oh, your shirt's over there. Yeah, will you unplug that extra light? That would be fantastic. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. Where are we at here? Like three, Sarah.
Yeah, we've got two. All right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Musicology with Kristen Bowie and Adam Thompson, the aforementioned Kristen Bowie. Hello. Hello. Hi. Well, that's great. How's your afternoon been going? Um, much less interesting than yours. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, what is coming up on this Sunday's edition of Musicology, 7 to 9 p.m.? Well, I've been hearing from a lot of people who have been having economic turmoils yes. ourselves, not discounted from yes. that. And so we're going to do kind of a sticking it to the man show this weekend and all of the best stuff that kind of says screw work and giving the people something to kind of have a little bit of optimism and fun about. Now, can so. you give us a small, like an example of what you're um, talking about here? Well, like Elvis Costello, The Working Week, and Shangri-La, The Kinks, and Willie Niles. and Excellent. Yeah. So that is uh, this Sunday, 7 to 9, the Sticking It to the Man edition mm-hmm. of Musicology. As long as Adam shows up. Now, Adam, is he, he's, he's, where is he? He's flying he's back in somewhere. San Francisco, and with the impending snow that everybody seems to think that we have, it may be musicology yeah. with Kristen Bowie. Uh, yeah, right. with well, James. You know what? <laughs> uh, so you know you will pa- you will do flying colors is what you will pass that with if you end up doing the show with just you and James. It's gonna be fine. So I, I, I the show must go on. Yeah, Kristen. completely. As we have I learned, this yes. Week. You, <laughs> never, you, you never know when there's gonna be one chair too many. So yeah. all right. Uh, so that is this coming Sunday, seven to nine p.m. The sticking it to the man edition of musicology with Kristen Bowie, Adam Thompson, James Robinson. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, this is the time in the program when we begin to wrap everything up. Uh, uh, Aaron Duran, what is uh, what is new at FilmFeverRadio.com and or GeekInTheCity.com? Uh, right now, over at GeekInTheCity.com, we've got a review of The Day the Earth Stood Still. And on FilmFeverRadio.com, we have episode 128 with a special guest uh, from Krampus who answers listener questions about oh, Christmas. Krampus? Yeah, Krampus. Aaron introduced you to who Krampus was. Yeah. Krampus, he is San- he's basically the evil Santa. Oh, it's not like a growth of some kind. No, no, Kramp- no, no, no. Krampus rules. Krampus oh. is cool. If you are if you don't get a present from Santa, Krampus actually beats you with a stick, shoves you in a burlap sack, and takes you back to hell. And he licks people. He licks people to find out if they're naughty or nice. I didn't make and him up. He's German. Folks. Don Taylor from Film.com, <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having thank me. You. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, at the end of a... Uh, at the end of a long and very challenging week, uh, we want to thank you all for listening. And uh, one foot in front of the other, we will return on Monday. So uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, Jim Roop, Don Taylor, uh, Aaron Duran, Richie Bristol, everybody that donated uh, to the KUFO Rockathon, Kristen Bowie, this Sunday, 7 to 9. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970 The Talker. In the newsroom today, Don Taylor on the phones, Richie Bristol, gatekeeper Dave Zinn, and CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Donat with me, Reynolds. See you on Monday. Thanks for listening. Bye. Right across his posterior.